Hi, I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, here to let you know about a new and innovative theater major, the BA in Theater and Business Arts at the University of Providence. Get the education and experience you need as a theater artist and the business acumen to succeed in your career. Visit broadwaybullet.com and stay tuned to the end of the program for more info. Now, enjoy the show. All aboard! Welcome to Volume 219 of Broadway Bullet. I'm your host, Michael Gilbo, and we have a very special episode for you today. Uh, I was invited to be the exclusive podcaster backstage at the New York Innovative Theater Awards, and I had exclusive access to interview all of the award winners and the nominees. And I tell you, we've got a great bunch of nominees that you're going to hear from, and uh, presenters, in addition to many others. We've got the legendary Edward Albee with a very rare uh, five-minute interview. We've got Rob Ashford, Anna Luizos, Barrett Foa, Olympia Dukakis, The Living Theater, John Bacina, Tina Howe, Catherine Zuber, Bill Irwin, David Cody, Michael Barres, and I'm sure I left off some of your favorite people as well. So we got a lot of great stuff here. Uh, it's going to move lightning fast. And uh, <laughs> let's just get rolling. Hi, I'm here backstage as the New York Innovative Theater Awards, otherwise known as the NY It Awards, are getting ready to start. And I'm going to be talking with a lot of the nominees and winners as they come off stage. And I'm here with Shay Gines, yeah. <laughs> who is one of the executive directors. And I thought before we got started that it might be a good thing for her to explain the process of how shows get nominated and then win these awards tonight. Yeah, uh, well, it's basically a peer evaluation system. So when a show registers their production, um, there are three people from the Off-Off-Broadway community who are assigned to go see their show. And those three people, along with the average of the audience vote, make their final score, which is then tallied at the end of the year by a certified public accountant, and that's who becomes the nominees and ultimately the recipients. You said the average of the audience vote? Yeah, the average of the audience vote. We really wanted to make sure that shows that were smaller and had smaller audiences were just as viable for these awards as shows who had larger audiences. So we take an average of the audience um, vote, and then, of course, the three uh, members of the Off-Off-Broadway community, each of their scores quote each of their scores constitutes 25% of that final score. Now, is that for the nomination or for the win or both? Both, both. Mm -hmm. So how long has the New York Innovative Theater Awards been going on and how long have you been involved? Um, well, this is our fourth award ceremony. We're actually already adjudicating our fifth season. And um, I was actually the person who came up with the idea for this. So I've been with it from the very, very beginning. So how, how much of a chore has it been getting getting the community rallied behind this awards and getting it presented every year? Uh, 
actually, surprisingly, very simple. Um, the community is so fantastic and so supportive, and it's really an opportunity for us to celebrate the community, and I think that's one of the reasons that they get excited about being involved with it and want to come and help out and be involved themselves. Now, I see a lot of other press around here backstage and in the thing. Uh, do you know some of the more notables that are covering the event tonight? Uh, well, I know the Wall Street Journal is coming, which was a little surprising, and the New York Times is also coming tonight, so we're excited about them. And we also have a lot of our stalwart uh, people who are covering off-off-Broadway, like off-off-online, Broadway Bullet, NY Theater. In fact, NY Theater is uh, actually one of the recipients tonight uh, for the Stewardship Award. All right. And have you seen any notable successes come from any of the past NYIT winners? Um, we actually, I think that we've been very successful. We've seen a couple of things happen. Um, one of the things is that uh, some of the judges that have gone out to go see the shows um, have then actually helped present, provide opportunities for those productions to go further, to have longer runs, or for the companies themselves to actually do another production, um, which is very exciting. A lot of our recipients, especially for the script awards, get published, um, so we actually get to see that happen. A lot of connections happening in the community because of this. Everybody gets to meet each other at these events. They get to find out what other sh people are doing. And because they're also judging other shows, they get to see the work of all their fellow off-off-Broadway artists, which then gets them excited about the work that they're doing. So we're actually seeing a lot of uh, good reinforcement coming from these awards. All right. Well, Shay Gines, I thank you so much for getting these awards going. It's desperately needed in this community. Thank you so much. That's great. Thank you. And thanks for sparing a moment on this very busy night for you, I'm sure. <laughs> well, thank you. Have a great evening. I'm sure you got a, a lot of really great and fun people to talk to. So. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. All right, I'm here at the NY It Awards backstage before the ceremony starts and talking with some of the presenters that have shown up tonight. And we've got Desiree Birch here with us tonight. Yeah, hey, how's it going? Good, yourself? Oh, all right, a little sweaty, but that's my constant state of preparation. Well, you look fabulous. <laughs> oh, thank you, it's a glow then. What's that necklace you're wearing? Um, oh, I should name some designer, I think. <laughs> it came off a rack of about 12 that looked the same, actually, in a basement. Um, I don't know, I should make that sound French, though. No, no, my friend gave it to me. It glows quite a bit, and that's all I like about it. Now, what award are you going to be presenting tonight, Desiree? I'm presenting Best Solo Performance. And does this mean something to you personally? Yes, because I am a solo performer, and I will get a chance to hold that award for two seconds before having it yanked out of my hand by whoever wins it. <laughs> Do you want to tell our listeners a little bit quick about what you do? Well, uh, I do stand-up comedy. I write and I perform solo theater. I just finished doing my show 52-Man Pickup in the Fringe Festival. Um, and I'm uh, excited to shop around a little bit more. And, I mean, I write things and I say them, and people apparently are interested because they keep coming back, which I love. Um, so I'm really excited to be here and celebrate other people who kind of, you know, schlep their entire show in a duffel bag on the subway, you know, three days out of a weekend every so often to some tiny space and finally get awarded for that. I I think it's really important. Well, great. It's good to have you here, and you're going to look great on stage. Oh, well, thank you so much. I need to keep you around. I am here with a man that I've been trying to track down for a little while, Rob Ashford, who choreographed most recently Cry Baby, among other things. How are you doing? I'm well. How are you? 
I'm great. You know, I really loved your choreography in Crybaby. I thought it was fantastic. Thank you. It was, it was such a pleasure. I and mean, when, you know, when the writers uh, and allow you to just, like, your brain to go crazy and do whatever you want, as long as it makes some kind of sense. And that was the case. So it, it was really, really a pleasure. You know, uh, Mark Brokart, director, too, was just like, you know, if you think you can make it work, try. So it was always try, never know, never uh, makes no sense. And so I, it, was a, it was like a picnic for me. You got another big thing in the works this year, right? Uh, I do. I, th I thought you did. I thought I saw your name attached to another big show. Um, well, I was actually doing a, a revival of Brigadoon that I was directing and choreographing that has been postponed, which was kind of a sad thing. Uh, and uh, I'm uh, also consulting on Shrek. Okay, I, I saw you say it was yeah, Shrek. I yeah, didn't yeah, okay, yeah. So. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't want yeah, to say so I went out case. to Seattle and, and, and joined them a couple weeks ago and uh, it's, uh, it's a great show. It's in great shape and we'll just we're gonna go back in the studio in a week or so and you know keep working a new musical all hands on deck you know so. Now what award are you presenting tonight? Uh, choreography and movement. So you, you have any like preferences or any have you seen any of the shows? Uh, I have not. That's horrible, isn't it? It's horrible to say, but no, I have not. So, well, a lot of these shows have been in ninety-nine seat houses, and that's what but, these awards are for. But, but you know, it's it's perfect, and you know, we'll discover someone new, and you know, it's it's good, it's terrific. I'm happy to be a part of it. So, uh, kind of in a nutshell, yeah. advice you have for aspiring choreographers or dancers on Broadway? You know, I, I do think that I don't know how these shows have been developed, but I think that it's really important to develop your own things, to have your own kind of vision somewhere and have that going alongside your assignments. I think you have to have your own, your own projects or your own ambitions and dreams or your own pieces in your head running hand in hand with the stuff people call you and ask you to do. And I think that that keeps you, uh, it keeps you employed and it also keeps you creatively going. Because not every time your assignment or your, your paying gig is, is your, uh, is your inspiration or your, your soul. So I think just do both. Want to name any names there? <laughs> no. <laughs> I don't. Well, I thank you so much for chatting okay. with us briefly, <laughs> and have fun you. tonight. Thank you. Good to meet you. I'm here with Anna Luizos, who I had the pleasure of chatting on a nice in-depth interview uh, a little over a year ago with our 2007 Tony nominee special. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm great. It's great to be here. So you've had another nomination since then as well. Yes, I did. I certainly did. It was for In the Heights. Which, uh, when are you going to get the win? Now that's at you. Well, as long as the, the show gets an award, I'm happy. <laughs> <laughs> well, In the Heights is doing quite well. Yes, yes. I can't complain. I'm thrilled. Is anybody surprised as to how well it's been doing on Broadway? Um, I think we're all just, we had faith in the show, of course. Everybody involved with the show had faith in it, but uh, it's nice when everybody else is in on it as well, and they realize what a great show it is. So uh, for us, it was just just affirming for what we already knew. So you got any projects lined up for this season? Actually, I do. I just came back from Pasadena. I did a production of Vanities out at the Pasadena Playhouse. Oh, yeah, we've talked with some of the we talked with the lead actresses on. The oh, yes. So David Kirschenbaum is a good friend. So. Yes, and his music is great. His score is great, and um, I believe that's coming here if we can, if things go well. And um, I'm in the midst of uh, uh, previews with uh, To Be or Not to Be at Manhattan Theater Club, uh, which is opening at the Friedman Theater, formerly known as the Biltmore Theater. And then um, 
I'm doing something up at Goodspeed in uh, December, uh, a musical version of Emmett Otter's Jug Band Christmas that's one of the Henson uh, projects that was done back in the 70s. It's actually going to be on live on, on stage for the first time. And then uh, White Christmas is coming to New York. So you, you got your hands quite full there. Yes, I do. Yes, I do. Does it I feel good joining? two hands. <laughs> Does it feel good having all that work in what has kind of traditionally been thought of as like kind of a male club? It feels great. <laughs> I, it feels great. I can't complain at all. I'm, yeah. I'm very, very happy. And I do want to remind our listeners that we still have online that fantastic in-depth interview from last year if they check out the... 2007 Tony nominee special. Oh, good. I can listen to myself again if I want to. <laughs> and you're presenting for set design tonight? Yes, I am. And I have not seen any of these shows, but um, uh, I don't think they even had this award back in the day when I was struggling off-Broadway <laughs> trying, to, trying to get my work out there. So it's wonderful that they're acknowledging people and their work. It makes me very happy to see that. All right. Well, thanks for chatting with us and have fun this season. Thank you, Michael. Well, I am here with Rob Sheridan, who is the first recipient tonight. He got his I, his IT Award for Best Featured Actor. How you doing? I'm good. I won it. <laughs> so what play was this for? It was a play called The Two Lives of Napoleon Beasley. You want to sum up uh, the play, your role, and like, you know? Sure. I played nine characters. Ah, um, uh, that's why, that's, you know. Right. Uh, but it's a true story about an unfortunate young man named Napoleon Beasley who was 17 years old when he committed a horrific crime. He murdered a man in his own driveway, stole his car, and uh, it just so happened that the victim was the father of a federal court uh, judge, federal appellate court judge. And uh, this was in Texas, so you know where that leads. It's a death penalty. So the, the story takes place after the crime, and it's about um, his appeals and uh, all the tribulations he goes through in his his conversion um, to um, you know nice guy I guess um, and uh, like I said you know I, I played several characters one of the characters I played was the DA so I suppose I was looked at as you know kind of the bad guy here because I was unrelenting in, in wanting to give this guy juice so who is the production company with this this is the Incumbo theater company all right, so you got any other projects on tap right now? I do. I'm in rehearsal now for one of the Nymph shows. It's called um, She Can't Believe She Said That, and it's about uh, the life of Kathy Lee Gifford. And I'll be playing Frank Gifford, and I'll be singing and shh, doing a soft shoe, a little dancing for me. Um, so <laughs> if uh, you'd like to see me dance, well, this is a chance. Um, but we're having a ball with that, and we open on Friday. And uh, it's a strange schedule. So if you are interested in the in the uh, in the nymph show and, and um, you know check the website because I don't remember offhand those schedules are, are eight o'clock, one o'clock, four o'clock, four thirty. Yeah. You know, and you know Tuesday and then Sunday. And so it's hard to just go. You know, but we do open Friday, and uh, we're getting ready for that. Right. So do you have a fireplace mantle to put your award on? Uh, no, no. <laughs> I, I guess I'll have to get a whole new apartment now with a fireplace. But uh, I'm very proud. All right. Well, Rob Sheridan, congratulations. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thanks for talking with Broadway Bullet. All right. Hey, well, I'm backstage here with Barrett Foa, who just presented the award for Best Featured Actor. And did you also do the actors? And actress. Yes. It was great. It was so much fun. 
So I know you've done a lot of things and built up and coming here on the Broadway stage, but the last time I saw you, I believe, you were on stage at Joe's Pub with David Kirschenbaum. Yes, who I am. I'm actually um, headed out to L.A. in a couple days, and I'm going to see Vanities, the last performance of Vanities, which is his new musical. Um, he didn't give you a role in that? He did. You know, I was campaigning for it, and I, I think he did offer me one of the one of the Vanities that the girls sit behind. <laughs> but I was like, I'm not going out to California for that. If it's in New York, give me a call. Um, no, <laughs> excuse me. So um, no, the uh, I'm actually excited to see the, the last um, the last performance of that um, on Sunday night. So I'm excited. Yeah. So what else you got in the works? Um, I'm actually moving out to LA and kind of poking around out there. You're leaving us? Not not for good. I promise. <laughs> I promise. I was born and raised here. My family's here. Not leaving anytime soon. But um, it, I just need to shake things up a little bit. Go out there. Um, but you know, it's it's nice. Um, you know, doing some. I've been doing some workshops and readings. Um, new Michael John Lacuza musical and the new Duncan Cheek musical and. Um, new Adam Bach play and a lot of plays recently, which is nice. Um, something at the SPF Festival at the Public, which was fun. SPF Festival, that's redundant. Yeah. <clears throat> the SPF, the Summer Play Festival. But yeah, all that, all those shows are called the Nymph Festival. Yeah, the, the Nymph Festival. Pack, pack Festival. Yeah. Well, you, should, you know, in, in title of show, um, there's a whole line about uh, being redundant, the pin number and the ATM machine. <laughs> you don't have to say that. Anyway, go see title of show, by the way. <laughs> yeah, my favorite is La Tra- The La Trattoria. <laughs> The you know, La Trattoria. That's that. What's that? <laughs> so you heard the La Trattoria when they yeah. a restaurant. You know, yeah. La, we're gonna go to the La Trattoria. You're like La means the. Okay. <laughs> so you've had a lot of success, you know, fairly young, building up, and I'm just kind of curious if you have some advice for some of the newer actors out there who are thinking of making their move to New York or L.A. What what you think? Because you're not from New York. You're not a native New Yorker. I am a native New Yorker. You, you don't seem like a New Yorker. I know. We were like Oklahoma, like mid- yeah. California, somewhere else. No, no. Born and raised on Manhattan. Yeah, Upper East Sider. Um, what's my advice to, to, to the kids, the kids out there? Um, They're say, like two years younger than you. Uh, yeah. How old are you, by the way? Um, you don't want to say, do you? you I, I guess I don't. <laughs> I, I don't care about that, but I feel like my agents are always like, don't tell people. I'm like, oh, that's so boring. Because <laughs> then you're that guy, and then everyone secretly thinks you're 50. You know what I mean? <laughs> you're like, now, you just, now everyone thinks I'm just crazy old because I'm not telling my age. No, whatever. Um, you can find out easily. Go online. Um, what do I want to say? What do I want to say to the kids? Oh, yes, the kids. Um, the kids. Um, what am I saying? I'm saying um, create your own stuff. If you can write, write. If you can, because I mean that's what the It Awards are. You know, I mean they're people, scrappy people. You know, um, not us. You know, people who wait for a vehicle to come along like me. You know, you're not scrappy. I'm scra- I'm scrappy in a different way, <laughs> but you know, I'm you know, I mean, I just again title of show. I'm just thinking of title of show. You know, that came up through the Nymph Festival. Um, <laughs> And, uh, you know, they, they came from nowhere, but they're like, we want to write. We want to create our own material. And, and then you see that up now that it's on Broadway. And you I'm see, heartbroken that it's closing already. I am too. Go see it now. Yeah, especially people who are listening to this program have got to see Tyler's Absolutely, show. absolutely. It's, it kind of changed my life in, in many ways. Um, so I'm indebted to that show. And um, I encourage you to see it um, and be creative yourself. All right, well, Barrett Foa, I thank you for talking with us thank here. Thank you. And thanks for stopping by and presenting it and showing your support for the thanks. for the New York It Awards. Hooray, It. And best of luck in your, your, your jaunt to L.A. Thank you. Take care. <laughs> Good to see you. 
I'm talking to Richard Romagnoli. Exactly. All right, I got it right. Who is the director of the show that uh, he's accepted the award for Megan Byrne as Best Featured Actress. How are you doing? I'm great. I'm so excited for her, and uh, we're just so proud and honored to have been um, honored uh, by uh, the It Awards. So do you want to tell us a little bit about the show that you directed that she won for? Yeah. She, uh, well, it's a play about a, uh, a cartoonist who uh, travels across Europe trying to find uh, a country to pursue his uh, cartoon, political cartooning. And he's put in jail in one country and threatened with jail in another country. And uh, Megan plays uh, varied roles, including his lover uh, and, uh, and, and a, um, an old model a victim of World War I, and she was hysterical in it. She was very funny, and uh, it's, it was great to be reunited with Megan, having been her teacher many years earlier at Middlebury College. And uh, so it was, it was a lot of fun to work with her, and uh, she, you know, to be blessed with her talents in my production was just a treat. So you also nominated this evening? Yeah. yeah. So I may be talking to you again, huh? Well, <laughs> unlikely. It's not likely, but it's a great opportunity for me to share uh, Megan's enthusiasm <laughs> over winning this award. What attracted you to the, this piece of work? Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of the playwright Howard Barker, and uh, last summer we did uh, scenes from an execution with an actress by the name of Jan Maxwell, and uh, it was a great treat to do that. And then we're doing another play by him uh, this coming... Uh, the summer of 09 called the Europeans and I've had a long association with Howard and uh, bringing his work to New York um, has been a kind of a mission of Potomac Theater Project since we moved ourselves to New York from Washington DC. Did you want to tell us a little bit about that Potomac Theater Project? Yeah well P PTP is a uh professional theater company intimately connected with Middlebury College's theater department and uh, we've been producing in in Washington uh, under an SBT contract since 1987. And uh, two years ago, we decided that we, three years ago, we decided we'd move to New York. We had originally, under a different name, in, with a different company, been in New York from 76 to 82, but uh, felt it was time to move back to New York. And uh, we did, and we couldn't be happier. All right, well, we're pleased to have you. It's been a pleasure. And wish you luck later this evening, well, but Richard you. Romagnoli, right? That's correct. Thank you. Thank and you. Megan Byrne, congratulations. Yes. Thank you very much. All right, I'm sitting here talking with Judith Molina, who just won the Lifetime Achievement Award at the NY It Awards. And here also is Olympia Dukakis, who presented her the award. How are you two doing? Good. Very good. Very good. So how does it feel to be recognized at the NYIT Awards? I want to say IT, it's just well, it. She's been recognized all over the world. I mean, it's... Uh... It's always good to be recognized, <laughs> but I want to see real changes made. And I'm hoping that when my work is recognized, it can add an iota to that changing world. What are some of the changes you'd like to see? I'd like to see violence, war, armies, borders, police prisons abolished. I'd like to see money abolished and a, a, a more reasonable form of human intercourse instituted. I'd like to see, uh, I'd like to see a lot of changes. <laughs> so now you've done a lot of work and we have listeners all over the U.S. and around the world too and for those who may not be familiar would you like to kind of sum up some of what you you've been doing recently? Uh, right now uh, we're working on a play called Eureka uh, and uh, uh, like most creative people, I'm really only interested in the next step. And the next step uh, for us is this production 
in which uh, the audience is totally participant. There aren't even any seats in the theater. You really have to come in there and perform with us. And that's a sort of symbol of uh, uh, what Julian Beck used to say, everyone is a, is a sublime artist. And those of us that work in the arts are obligated to bring up the sublime artist in everyone. And uh, this play, which is about participating in creation, uh, tries to do that. This is at the Living Theater, and why don't you give them the address? Uh, we're at 21 Clinton Street, and we'll be opening in, on October 1st uh, with this very innovative play. Now, you've just received the Lifetime Achievement Award, which, how long have you been involved doing theater now? A lifetime. Yeah. A lifetime. <laughs> uh, six decades, well, right? Well, we, we, we incorporated the Living Theater in 1947, which is a lot longer than the 50 years of, of, of Off-Broadway that's being celebrated here. Uh, we opened our first play, uh, Gertrude Stein's Dr. Faustus Lights the Lights, in 1951, and we're still going strong and haven't stopped at all all that time. It's fantastic to see so much still enthusiasm and energy and exuberance for what you do. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> Olympia Dukakis. How are you doing? It's, are you, aren't you missing getting an award yourself tonight? <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm not missing a damn thing. It's just great here to be here with Judith and to have her work recognized and what she has meant to us all in the, in the theater community. And uh, not only that, but uh, representing America, she's the best face of American theater. Have the two of you worked together in the past? No. No, we haven't. I look forward. I would like nothing better. I keep trying to get cast in her shows, but she doesn't cast me. Well, she just makes, she, she did The Brig. She did, what was the other one you did well, with the, with the two and women? Jane. Yes, and then now this one. Well, she doesn't want to cater to call. the tourists. I don't get a call. She doesn't want to cater to the tourists. Oh, I and why? do, I do. And one she'll, of my she'll, she'll find something we can do together. We're going to work on finding something together. Something. How about that? Okay. okay. Are you headed back to the stage anytime soon yourself? Are you kidding? I was just did um, Prospero oh. in an, a version of The Tempest called uh, Another Side of the Island. And I did um, Tennessee Williams' uh, The Milk Train Doesn't Stop Here Anymore uh, down at Hartford. So, yeah, I'm there on the stage. I'm there. <laughs> well, thank you so much for coming okay. down and congratulations on your Lifetime Achievement thank Award, you. Judith. Thank you. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of the ceremony. Olympia Takakis had one last thing she wanted yes. to make sure people knew about. Uh, yes, I want to make sure that everybody understands who Judith Molina is, what she's done, what she's doing now. She has taken all her savings and she's, she's put them in renovating a building so that she can have another theater. This is a woman in her 80s. This well, is how much she believes in good. theater. She believes in theater and she believes in the possibilities of theater. And she is willing to do that. She's taken all, whatever security she's had and she's put it in there. And she's revived the brig. She's a great play. It's such a metaphor for our lives, that play, the brig. It's no longer right. I mean, she'd revived it. They brought it to Italy, as I understand. Yes, they did it outside down at 9 11. Uh, they, I mean, it is such a. I mean, it's, it, it, it lets us, it, it gives us the opportunity to acknowledge the feelings that we have, which are confounding, confusing, infuriating, 
I mean, all these different feelings. It's an and she's continuing to bring that kind of theater, and it's and it sounds. I mean, I've asked I asked her to say the address because I think people should know that she's here and she's doing that. There are very few people today who are doing something like that who have that kind of clarity of vision and kind of certainty about who they are and what theater should be about. Okay, that's it. Well, you, powerful, powerful words of endorsement there. You've been an inspiration. Oh, my God. And you continue to be. I, I'm an inspiration to her. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh, my dear. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm speaking here with Dan Bianchi, who just won the I It Award. I keep wanting to say IT, you know, uh, for Best Original Music. How are you doing? Okay. Well, this is fantastic. I've... Um, four years we've been nominated for different awards, and as I said, outside front, uh, I was beginning to feel that I was the Susan Lucci of Off-Off-Broadway, um, but uh, finally we got at least one this year, and we're up for a couple more, but uh, we shall see. So, what was the show here that you won for? Uh, this was for the Island of Dr. Moreau, H.G. Wells Festival we put on last uh, season, and um, I scored uh, four shows at the same time. <laughs> It was uh, in repertory, all of his H.G. Uh, Wells works. So um, I was up for two awards. And so did you get any sleep while you were scoring those? No, because <laughs> short story, but I got sick at the same time. I was in the hospital for a week during the whole thing. <laughs> and I still managed to produce, score, write, direct, everything besides the music is what I do. So i uh, um, like to thank my cast and crew because uh, without them, of course, you know, uh, we put it all together. Um, you might see even Liz jumping around here crazy. She was one of them, so um, that's the reason for that. Um, so what you got up? Do you have any other projects on tap here? Sure. Uh, as I was saying out front, uh, we just, uh, our 17th show in four years will be opening uh, November 11th, Dracula, at the Players Theater down in the village. And uh, again, fully scored, big sound, spectacular. Um, we do things, uh, we call it radio theater, but it's not really an authentic old-time radio production type show. But we take from that and uh, use sound and music as you know, the focus of, of our uh, creativity and leave uh, the visuals up to the audience's imaginations, much like radio did back in those days. So if you don't have an imagination, I can't do anything for you. But uh, most people walk out going, wow, we've never seen anything like that before. And they're not really seeing anything except for the visions in their brain. So. That's what we're up to here, and I guess that's kind of unique. I don't know if there's another group around doing that, but uh, anyway. <laughs> All right, so you said we. Uh, what's your production company again? Radio Theater is the production company. They have a web you have a website they can go to? Sure, Radio Theater. That's with the R-E, uh, RadioTheaterNYC.com, and you see all the shows we do. All right, congratulations again on your win. Okay, thank you very much. Well, I'm speaking here with John Bacchino. Am I pronouncing that right? Actually, it's Bacchino. It is Bacchino. But it okay. looks like Bacchino, so everybody does that. It's okay. <laughs> I should have checked Not beforehand. Don't, don't even give it a second. And you're just coming off of a, your a great Broadway show here at Catered Affair. I liked it. <laughs> I was really proud. It was it was a wonderful experience. Fascinating. Dream cast to have too. Yeah, that's. I mean, everybody says this, you know. Oh, and they really became a family and. But they really did, and I haven't had that much experience with theater. I'm really new to theater, and 
that was one of the most impressive and kind of heartwarming aspects of it is to see how they really did bond and would go out together and hang out and spend their time off together and play poker and Harvey Harvey is a great Harvey Firestein who was not only one of the stars but also wrote the book uh, for the show um, is great about that in terms of bringing the whole cast together and they his dressing room is the big hangout and everybody goes in and you know they were playing poker and hanging out and chatting and being silly and so how was collaborating with Harvey Firestein it was wonderful. Was he like, He's... I've got five Tony Awards, uh, I know how to No, <laughs> he, no, no. But what, what is surprising, the thing that surprised me the most um, about him uh, is you think that he's going to be goofy. And I guess like many comedians, he's a very serious fellow and a brilliant fellow. You know, his persona sort of belies that fact, but he, he's really... Um, incredibly bright and um, uh, just genius, you know, so it's wonderful to work with him. What was really interesting was to, um, you know, I'm always tweaking a note here and a lyric here and, you know, and, and to see his process when he would send me a scene and to see what he had changed. He said, well, I tweaked it a little bit to just look at what he had changed and it was always better, you know, it was always sharper, it was always funnier, it was always more resonant. Um, and more evocative. He's, he's brilliant. He's wonderful. We spent a lot of time talking about other people, but, but you said you were yeah. relatively new to theater. What brought yeah. you into the theater? Well, to do this particular, to do a catered affair, which was the show we're talking about, uh, Harvey did. He had heard some CDs of my cabaret songs and, um, and asked me if I would collaborate with him on this. And I said no. <laughs> and and he kept sort of pestering you me. Said no. I really, yeah, I was terrified. Like I said, theater is, you know, I've done a little bit, but this was the big time, you know, and I didn't know him. So it was very, very scary. And um, eventually, actually it was, it was other theater friends of mine uh, kind of talked me into it and said that they thought it was, that this particular story was a really good idea and that it would suit my, what I do naturally in, in terms of the style of my writing. And I was like, well, well, I'll give it a shot. Okay. So what do you have on, on deck? Anything? Um, not right now. I'm just sort of reassessing and sort of coming down from that whole experience, which wasn't all that, you know, it was only like a couple of months uh, ago. Um, so just kind of reevaluating and putting actually uh, the score to that show together, getting it ready for the stock and amateur licensing. And, um, and also I just finished another songbook uh, of songs from a musical review of mine. And it's sort of now house cleaning and doing all the things that, um, that I couldn't do while I was utterly consumed, you know, working on a Broadway show. <laughs> so it's sort of catching. I'm doing a little catch up right now. All right. Well, John Bacchino, I thank you so much for oh, chatting with me. And nice thanks for coming down and you. presenting and helping shine the light on the... Absolutely. We're all, we're all in stuff. it together, man. All right. So thanks. nice to meet you. And I am here with another NYIT winner, Gui Gwen. <laughs> yep, exactly. And you just won choreography. I, yep, I sure did. For so, a show called Fight Girl Battle World by Vampire Cowboys Theater Company. So why don't you, well, tell us a little bit about the show and what you did with this. Uh, it was a sci-fi action adventure for the stage. And it was, uh, it, it was a, I mean, I was in charge of choreographing like all these like sci-fi battles, like, you know, lightsaber type of fights and uh, spaceship battles and things like that. Just boring stuff, huh? Yeah, boring things that you always see in theater all the time. Just like a living room drama, <laughs> you know. 
So what what attracted you to this piece? Did you did you know somebody involved? Were you helping? Uh, I'm actually the playwright of the okay, piece. You're the playwright too. <laughs> so, so. So, so it makes it really easy to like like the play. Yeah, it's our company. So there's all the choreographers out there going. <laughs> <laughs> That's the way to do it. Have a shot. <laughs> exactly. Well, it's uh, it's it's our company does uh, our company does like a different genre play every year. Like we've done like zombie plays, we've done like superhero plays, and last year was a sci-fi play. And uh, we kind of always a big thing that everyone kind of pushed was trying to find a way to do sci-fi battles on stage. So it was like kind of inter you know kind of interlacing puppetry with a whole bunch of different things. So it was really really fun. What was maybe one thing in particular that you have found a hard time finding a solution for? Uh, well. We were because we were trying to kind of emulate what was happening, you know, in film. Uh, kind of doing quick cuts from different like fights that you see, like in a movie. You can like unlike uh, like like a movie uh, stage. You're kind of stuck seeing a fight in one perspective. In a movie, you can always change perspective, like certain kicks and things like that. So I actually had to find a different way to doing that. So we set up all these different screens and had body doubles to kind of emulate all that. So it was really fun. Now, I think this is maybe the show I was thinking about. Was there something you did that emulated, like, a, the, the surround camera with lighting? Yes, that's actually, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I've actually heard a lot of people talking about oh, your show. Oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, we, we, we uh, it, it was just watching a lot of film and then kind of saying, I was like, what is the most low-budget way can, that we can figure it out? Like, we always talk about doing low-budget spectacles. And, and uh, it's, it's the, also, I give a lot of credit to my director, Robert, who also thinks up a lot of these crazy, wacky ideas. So. All right, so what do you have on deck? Uh, our next show is called Soul Samurai. It's a black exploitation meets samurai play, uh, and that's going to be produced in the spring, but our next walk- workshop of it will be uh, next month. And uh, what's your company name again? Uh, Vampire Cowboys Theater Company. Okay. <laughs> you have a website? Yep, www.vampirecowboys.com. Well, thank you so much, thank and congratulations so much. on your thank win. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm speaking with Caitlin Moon, who directed Andrea Caban to her win as a solo performer at the New York It Awards. How are you doing? Well, thank you. So where's Andrea tonight? Andrea is doing a show. She's off out of town acting in a show. I know, hard to keep up with these talented actors. <laughs> so you directed her in the show. I did. Uh, have you had? Do you direct a lot of one-person shows, or has this been a? Is this a first for you? Or? This was a first for me. Andrea and I uh, worked pretty closely on developing the script, and we'd worked together for for a little while as we were putting it together. But it was a first for me. It was a really interesting process. What were some of the? What were some of the interesting things that you discovered in the process working with one person on creating a piece? Well, I think one of the things that we discovered because she was so close to the... It was a script composed off of interviews with real people and because she was so close to and felt so connected to the real people, there was a point where I sort of had to give her permission as an actor to just approach the material fresh as a performer would and allow herself to create these characters new and not be so bound by who the real people were. So that was sort of one of an interesting unexpected thing for us both. So what do you have on, on deck as a actor? I mean, sorry, as a director. Um, I'm working with a bunch of playwrights on, on uh, developmental things, new plays that they're working on, and uh, I'm the associate director of the Grinch musical, so I go back to that in about a month. Ah, is, uh, is, is everybody coming back again this year? Um, we have some different people and some returning people, so it should be really fun. Who are some of the new ones? Do you, are you at liberty to say yet? No, it's a secret, huh? <laughs> <laughs> It'll all be out there soon enough, so you can look it up online and come get your tickets. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you. Congratulations, Andrea. All right. I'm here with playwright extraordinaire Tina Howe, who is a two-time Pulitzer nominee, Obie winner, 
Tony nominee, you name it, she's done it, Painting Churches, one of her very famous shows. How are you doing? I'm doing fine, thank you. So what brings you down here to the IT Awards to help you know shine the I'm, light? I'm so honored to be part of this because I began Off-Off-Broadway and my heart belongs with the innovators and the risk-takers and the frisky ones. And in my early career, my work was truly um, nuts and original and I just kept getting slapped in the face over and over and over again. And so I had to do a very calculated turn about the kind of work that I would do, but this is where my heart belongs with, the, with people that are doing work like this. So when I was asked if I would give the award, I said, I'm there, I'm there. So what, what brought you into playwriting and, and that whole fold originally? Um, I grew up in a family of writers and I knew I always wanted to write, but the problem was I couldn't handle all the language. There was too much language, and if you write a play, all you have to do is have people talk to each other. You don't have to describe anything. You don't have to get into thoughts. It's just, you know, I love you, I hate you, go away. I don't want to go away, why not? And that's why I did it, because it was a, it was a, it was a wonderful way to explore reality without having to use too many words. Now, have you been doing any work in film and television as well? Um, there was a period in the 80s when I, like many playwrights, was asked to do a couple of scripts for, um, for movies, and I really enjoyed it. I had a lot of fun. Um, of course, they were never made, but I, I enjoyed it. Um, I would never try to adapt one of my own plays for a, a movie or a TV show. I think that's death, but um, it's a completely different art form. But um, clearly, I was not up to it, so <laughs> I'm still writing my plays. Now, like I said, you've had many awards on you. After, say after the first time, like he kind of got nominated for the Pulitzer and stuff, did that weigh on you as an artist to keep creating? Well, no, I don't feel that I'm a success, and I'm always surprised when people say, "To what do you owe to your your success?" And I turn around thinking they're talking about somebody else. I, I don't think of myself as terribly successful. I, I don't think I've written the best play that I could write. Um, it's a real struggle getting work on. I haven't had a new play produced since 1997 um, with um, Prize Crossing. Finally, 11 years later, I'm having a new play produced. So, Congratulations. So to me, success is all about what you're doing now and how you're growing and radiating and transforming. And so if that isn't happening, I feel that I'm a miserable failure. <laughs> so it doesn't change whatever level you're no, at, does no, it? No, 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 no. And I think because I began getting attacked over and over again, it's what I expect. So whenever I get a good review or an award, I'm just stunned and think somebody's made a mistake. Um, my ego is not very large, um, which I think is probably a good thing. Well, well, Tina Howe, do you want to take a second and tell us about your new play that you're, you're getting up here? Uh, it's called um, Chasing Manet, and it's set in a nursing home. Why is it set in a nursing home? Because um, a nursing home seems to be an environment that very few dramatists have dared explore because it's so frightening and scary. And after my Aunt Maddie died, my brother turned to me and said, Tina, we're next. And so I feel, you know, in a matter of years, I may well be in a nursing home myself. And so I wanted to write a play to see if I could console myself about that perhaps inevitability and find a way to be able to deal with it. And if I wrote a play that sort of gave me and the patients a certain amount of, of freedom to voyage, because when you're near the end, you know, dying people take these far-flung journeys. And so the play is very much 
about those journeys and two old ladies who try to escape so that their journey becomes a literal journey and I won't tell you whether they make it or not but um, I just felt that this was a, um, a setting that one has to face sooner or later and I felt I was the one to do it. Well, congratulations on getting another show. Any upload, original play in New York is... Oh, please, fun. I know. Cause for jubilation and dancing in the street. <laughs> and in many years, if you do end up in the nursing home, I bet it's going to be a very fun nursing home. Well, and you'll I hope have, so. You'll have everybody acting out. I hope so. I hope so. We'll do plays together. We'll write plays together. Yeah, evenings of vaudeville, the whole nine yards. Well, thank you, Tina Howe, okay. for coming down to the New York It Awards. My pleasure. And best of luck in your future endeavors. Thank you. Thank you. All right, I'm here with Aliza Shane, who just won the NY It Award for Best Short Script. How are you doing? I am very good. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, you going to go out and celebrate after this? Um, I think so. I kind of wish I had celebrated before because I'm all shaky and nervous, and I think I would have been calm if I had pre-celebrated, but I'm going to celebrate after, definitely. So uh, what was the show that you won for here? Um, it was called The Three Sillies. It was actually a children's show, um, which is why it's kind of great that it won. Oh, my God, a children's show. That's the, that's the dirty word in theater. I know, except that we did it in a really clever way. It was We didn't talk down to the kids. We didn't you know, lower the level of talent or anything. We made it really smart and good choices, and adults really loved it. So it was a smart children's show, you know, and it was great. Well, tell us a little bit about it. Um, it's actually, it was a story of, of a... It's based on an old English folktale, and um, what I did with the, the process is really interesting, where I kind of had a very basis for the story. Uh, I cast brilliant actors, had them do about a week of improv to create some characters, then took their work and wrote a play based on what they did, so that they got to feel like they were part of the script process. Um, and then, so it's basically about a little girl who was really bored of her family and embarrassed by them because they're too silly, three sillies. There you go. And um, she um, runs away, and but encounters people who are far sillier than her family and grows to appreciate her family and, of course, comes back and lives happily ever after, like all children's shows should end. So did you also direct the show then as I well? I did, yes. So yes. A, a little bit of everything. Yes, I'm actually primarily a director. Just started in playwriting, which is why this is so <laughs> exciting as well. Um, I was just uh, actually telling someone else that I started playwriting because I wanted to be more a part of the process so that I could have my hands in everything. <laughs> a little greedy, but you know, <laughs> fun that way. And that's uh, what I've been doing lately is directing and playwriting together. So have you done other children's shows as well? Um, or? No, I'm working on another show, a grown up, very grown up show. It's very different, but where I'm also writing and directing um, and also using the actor's collaborative process as part of the whole thing. It's because I find it's so much more rewarding when actors feel like if there's a line that doesn't work for them, then I can just change it in rehearsal. I don't have to check with anybody or, you know, make sure that it works for the whole thing. We can just we can just change it. We have the freedom to rewrite it if we don't like it. Or I can say, let's let's come up with a better line for you right now. And I love the immediacy of that. All right. Well, Aliza Shane, congratulations. Go out and celebrate. <laughs> Thank you so much. I will. I will. All right. I'm here talking with Jordy Broadwater, who directed the play that won Best Original Script. You May Go Now by Becca Brunstetter, yeah. So, and, and she wasn't able to be here, so... Unfortunately. Much to her dismay. I know she would have really liked getting the award from Tina Howe, in particular. That would have been cool. Yeah, it, there's a great, some great presenters here. Yeah, seriously. Really impressive, actually. I'm, it's kind of awesome. I've never uh, not, been Not here to before. say anything bad, but I was kind of expecting it all to be like, you know, hey, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, hey, see, I saw see. you on a show on 3rd Street. Yeah. <laughs> Or I was, you know, or kind of like the Oscars. I was expecting it to be a lot of off-off Broadway personalities right, right. also doing the presenting, and it's nice to see 
they so many big names coming down to help shine a light on impressive what... budget or something. <laughs> <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. Of course, they're all here to celebrate, and that's awesome. Well, tell us about this play that won uh, the script award here. Um, the play well, is called You May Go Now. It was about. Uh, uh, it is about uh, this girl who's raised to be the perfect '50s housewife by her mother. Only it turns out it's 2000 and seven and that it's not her mother uh, she was kidnapped as a very small child and her life kind of unravels and it has to do with you know her brother tries to come her save her but she kind of falls in love with her brother it's complicated it's whimsical it's funny 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 you know what attracted you to the piece uh, becca is a, an amazing playwright she's got an incredibly sort of original voice uh she's incredibly funny and honest and and sad all at the same time uh and it was wild and the, the real thing i liked about this play in particular as opposed to just her work in general was that it, you know it really was actually kind of a cliffhanger you were trying to wait to find out what was going to happen the whole time uh and and each twist in the plot actually was sort of shocking so all the big booming in the background is we can see that the blue man group is just taking the stage again those blue men <laughs> <laughs> so what, what's on tap next for do you know what she if she's got any projects in the works I, I, I don't know and Becca's one of the cool things about Becca is that she writes like 12 plays a year but uh, she the next thing I know of is actually that we are my company is doing a workshop of a new play of hers called Miss Lily Gets Boned uh, and we're going to workshop that in November and do a, a sort of presentation of it on November 2nd actually so the not. title mean what we think it means no well <laughs> yes but also no there's elephants involved and what's the name of your theater company? Babel Theater Project. And do you have a website that people can go to? www.babeltheaterproject.org. Unfortunately, we made we decided that it would be classier to spell theater R E, not E R. So, I know, me too. But I'm, I'm always confused. the R E is the art, E R is the building. Exactly. That's, That's exactly right. You're exactly right. <laughs> All right. Well, congratulations. Thanks on a lot your, on the show, and please give Becca my best. <laughs> okay. Cool. Right. Thanks a lot. I'm here with Rochelle Denton and Martin Denton with New York Theater Online. The New York Theater Experience, and they just won the Stewardship Award. How are you doing? Very well, thank you. We're very excited. This has been a lovely evening so far. So, uh, tell us a little bit about your organization here. Well, New York Theater Experience is a nonprofit company. We've been around for about 10 years, and um, what we do is we use new and traditional media to promote the works of the theater, especially nonprofit and indie off of Broadway theater. Um, main thing we're known for is our website, nytheater.com, which is a comprehensive site and information, reviews, and listings. Um, we also have a small press. We publish an annual anthology called the Plays and Playwrights uh, books, which uh, capture every year about a dozen new plays by never before published playwrights. And we also also uh, have a podcast ourselves, the My Theater Cast, which has been around for about two years. All right. So, so what keeps you guys busy? What What are your daily activities running this organization? Well, we list shows, we review shows, we talk to people, we uh, try very hard to introduce ourselves to new companies as they come up, and to do as many things as we can for the indie theater group, theater community. So what, what's the most fun of the whole process for both of you? The most fun is, is, is you know, I think, I think actually the most fun is the fact that we do get to see wonderful theater all the time and see new artists and, and watch them grow as artists and see what exciting and insightful things they have to tell us. That's, that makes the job always fresh and never get old. And Michelle? Yeah, I, just exactly the same thing. We have met some wonderfully talented, cre creative people over the 10 years we've been doing this, and many of them have become friends 
have helped us. We have lots of these people that are now volunt that volunteer, that write many of our reviews, that conduct some of our podcasts, that do all sorts of things to be part of the community and to make the community a bigger, more vibrant place. So what do you see in the next 10 years for Off-Off-Broadway in New York? No, I hope we see more of the same. I mean, we're excited about the fact that uh, you know the indie theater movement has really taken off in the last 10 years, and I think a lot of people are starting to understand that this is a, a, a very viable and respectable and, and worthy uh, people's attention type of theater, and I think that it's just going to keep growing, and, and I think that um, you know the uh, you know the, the, the work that we see, the maturity of these artists is just uh, remarkable, and uh, just looking forward to, to 10 more years or 20 more years of, of more of the same. I did owe that. <laughs> uh, I'm curious, as, as working as well with so many off-off-Broadway things, I'm wondering if you've been following the developments with equity on revising some of the code for online promotions and various things on the smaller shows. I've been following it from a distance. I mean, you know, it's, it's, it's really not something that we're experts on or know a lot about, but, um, you know, we're hopeful that people are going to be able to um, help equity arrive at a, at, a, at, a, at, a, at a new version of their rules that will reflect the way that the world works today, which, you know, which, which is, you know, the new media. I mean, you know, they, I, you know we're, we're not actively involved in it in any way, but, uh, but hope that, you know, those that are will be able to help equity and, and other folks see that uh, new media is, you know, is important uh, way for shows to get promoted. All right. So have you seen many of the shows here tonight? Yes. So, so what are your what's your personal faves out of the ones? Oh, I never have a favorite. The show I see today is my favorite, and tomorrow that'll be the favorite. There's no such thing. <laughs> All right, Rochelle and Martin Denton, thank you very much for chatting with us. And maybe, as you said, you have a podcast yourself at nytheater.org. My, my theater cast oh, yeah. podcast is com. Our website is nytheater.com. All right. Well, congratulations on the the this was stewardship the award. the stewardship award. All right. Thank have you. enjoy the rest of the evening. Thanks Thank you. All right, I'm here with Kirk Bromley, playwright, who presented the Stewardship Award tonight. How are you doing? Good, thank you. So, what brought you to the NY It Awards tonight? Well, to be honest, they told the New York Theater Experience people, Martin and Rochelle Denton, that they were getting an award, and they asked them who they wanted to present it, and they said me. So. I was not actually an organizational choice. I was just a, the choice of the awardees. So that's what I came here to present. So in, in today's you know, climate in New York, what do you feel are the biggest challenges facing the playwright? Yeah. Yourself in particular. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, I think there's an internal and an external challenge. I think the internal challenge is, is to you know, uh, break out and... Um, create work that uh, you know gets to the center of the the conflict between action and inaction um, I think theater needs to be an active uh, task in terms of the writing and it's really hard for a writer to get there especially with a lot of sort of new thematic concerns uh, so I think as, as writers get the playwright finding new forms is always a challenge externally it's it's money it's places to do your work um, I actually actually produce my own work, um, and I can tell you money is uh, money is the difficulty. But also actually finding finding good people willing to work at the, at this level. So that, those would be it. How much is the influence of you know film and TV you know affected how hard it is to get something 
you know, because, you know, you read a lot of plays from, like, the, you know, say, the 40s and stuff, and there's, quite frankly, a lot of direct that was quite successful, and it seems to me that with, you know, so many other entertainment choices out there and, and theater perceived or not, you know, being as a more expensive experience, that has, the, has it gotten tougher to deliver the goods, so to speak, that the audience is impressed by when they see so many things day to day? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's the challenge, is to find a niche for theater, for the play, for the experience of sitting in a room with other people. Um, and sure, it's always hard to get people down to your, down to your show. I mean, it's weird, like, we go through all these, tr- these trends, it seems lately, that sort of spectacle and, and irony and, and intellectual uh, infantilism is kind of very much the, uh, the rage. And some of it is, is really good, and some of it's just kind of quacky. Um, but, you know, I mean, the theater I do is all only $15 a seat. And, in fact, I'm even moving towards uh, doing free theater and letting people in just to get them there. Um, but I think, you know, it might, it, it, people, people, you know, I, I read once that theater attendance dropped by 90% uh, from 1910 to 1920 just due to the, in, in, the advent of, of film. Um, so, I mean, boom, right there. You're, but, you know... I, I think of it more as the problem with film and TV and its relationship with theater is that people write a lot of filmic plays and a lot of TV-ish plays, which I think is really probably hurting the industry more than film and TV themselves. I think people need to write plays, need to write theater, and if they do that, people will come see it. So what do you have on deck in the next season here? Yeah, I'm, I'm, working, on a, uh, I'm working on a play right now that's kind of about uh, the way pornography ruins relationships, actually. Um, that's going to be in January at the Access Theater. And then I'm writing a play from the perspective of trees and animals. So trying to, I'm trying to write a play about what it's like to actually live in the natural world. Um, and that will probably be in the summer. And I also just wrote a one-man play for a great actor named uh, uh, Daniel Martin Berkey, who is a recovering schizophrenic. And it's a one-man show about his journey through schizophrenia. Well, it sounds like you've got a lot on your plate. (laughs) Well, thanks for coming down and presenting, Kirk Bromley. Thank you for talking to me. All right, thank you. Thanks. I'm here with Ann Militello, lighting designer extraordinaire, who's just presenting at the NY It Awards. How are you doing? Good, how are you? You know, this is a different experience for me. I'm used to being in my studio with notes in front of me, and yeah, this is a barrage. I'm used to being behind the light booth. So I'm not used to being on, on the stage at all. It's really strange. So. Now, I, I can't remember. I did get a chance to skim like the thing ahead of time, right. but I, it's now all fled for me. So for, sure. for my benefit and for our listeners, I know you've done a lot of great things in lighting design. Uh-huh. And can you, Thank you. <laughs> remind me <laughs> of some, some of them? Because I was impressed well, with oh, wow. I, you know, I, I started at La Mama Theater about 30 years ago and spent many years off-off-Broadway you know, off, off, off Broadway, off Broadway, but um, and the people that really took me into their wing were Crystal Field and George Bartani for theater for the New City, Ellen Stewart from La Mama, Sam Shepard, Marie Irene Fornes, the Wooster, uh, I mean Mabu Mines, um, all kinds of really great, exciting artists that I was able to grow up with. Theater, the ridiculous, I mean, just just unbelievable talents, you know, um, and so I kind of worked in that world for a long time, eventually um, started crossing uptown into off-Broadway and then crossed again once into Broadway with Joe Papp, thank 
you know, God bless him for taking young designers to Broadway. Um, now I do, um, I take it outside. I do public art with lights. I design rock concerts and rock tours. I um, work internationally. I still do theater, still do opera. It's, um, you know, I'm a lighting artist and designer and a, and a collaborator. It's my passion. <laughs> How did you build up there so quickly? Because you're... Quickly? You... <laughs> it's been 30 years, you know. Since birth? No, God, no. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> no, but I started here. I started here, you know, and it just really fueled me. There's so much going on, you know, and I love the written word. I love the playwrights that I've worked with and... Um, it's just really inspirational and nice to be able to take a medium that so seems to be so far removed that's you know about electricity and color and and something technical and make an art out of it. You know you have to be half geek, half artist in order have scientists, half you know psychologists to be able to do it. And it's it's exciting. I think it's the most fun you can have. <laughs> so you say you do rock concerts as well. Uh -huh. Do you are you friends with some of the other people in that community of yeah, lighting design? Uh, are, are they yes. like going? And why do you do theater? Yes, they do because they says it does. You know, they give me a hard time about it, not paying anything, and why would I waste my time? They don't understand. You know, it's a nice crossover. But I've just been on the road with uh, Tom Waits and Leonard Cohen and Robert Plant from Led Zeppelin, different tours, and they hired me because I'm a theater designer because they understand that I have a that I can interpret an emotion a little bit deeper than some of the flash and trash that goes on out there. So I'm a little bit more of a you know environmentalist designer than I am, you know, um, you know, a flashy kind of gal, so. <laughs> so. So what do you think of the award ceremony here tonight? Oh, I'm just thrilled. It's so nice. It's great. You know, it was, um, you know, when, when I was doing a lot of Off Off Broadway, you know, the Obie Awards were the only thing that acknowledged us. And, you know, at that time, when you're working in those kinds of venues, you're not thinking about any types of awards or anything. You're just experimenting and having a great time experimenting. I mean, you've got nothing to work with, so you figure nobody cares and nobody's watching, and that's where you do your best work. And the fact that there's, you know, a whole entity now that's really looking after that, it's, it's wonderful. It's great. So I'm real happy to be here. It just makes me nostalgic and um, makes me really excited for everybody that's involved now. So what do you got coming up this season? Um, I am going back on tour with um, Robert Plant and Leonard Cohen. Um, I have um, a play at a theater in Los Angeles called The Unknown Theater because I've moved to L.A. since. And I'm designing art installations in the Middle East and in Asia. <laughs> and here in New York. I've so got, got a couple more in Times Square. Yeah, it's, it's, I'm having fun with lights. All right. Well, thanks for coming down okay. and giving back to the scene. Thank you. Thank you very luck. much. Thank you. All right, I'm here with Kevin Hardy, who just won the NY It Award for Lighting Design. How are you feeling? I'm feeling great. It was a complete surprise, and it's a total honor. I'm very thankful. So tell us a little, about, about, little bit about the show that you won for. Uh, I went for the show Night of Nosferatu, which was an adaptation of the Dracula story done by Rabbit Hole Ensemble. Um, and uh, it was an amazing experience uh, overall because uh, it really got to what I consider the essence of storytelling. There wasn't any sets, it was just lighting, very simple costumes, and basically a bare stage and a bunch of cubes. And this wonderful company was able to create the story of Dracula, one of the most well-known stories, and do it in a new and interesting and creative way. And, and I was just pleased to be a part of it. 
Now, lighting design, of course, is one thing when you've got a big budget and you've got a huge stage and all the all the cans you can yes. hang in the world. On Money Broadway. would be nice, yes. It would be a helpful thing. What are the challenges in setting up a play that has to be told through lighting in a, in a smaller off-off-Broadway house? Well, um, the challenges are the same that you have with every show. Whether you, whether you have a multi-million dollar budget or you're doing it with 12 dimmers, you're, you're, the lighting jo designer's job is to tell the story and help the director create his vision. So it all got, comes down to concept and what you're creating. You know, toys are nice, and they may help a moment, but if you don't have the composition, the content, it's really not going to mean anything. So it doesn't matter, you know, about the money. It's, it's what, as long as you have a good team, a, a director who has a vision and who is willing to collaborate um, and a, a playwright who's fantastic. And that's what makes it worthwhile. So what got you into lighting design to begin with? Uh, I was actually kind of born into it. Uh, my father helped start La Mama with uh, Ellen Stewart, and so I literally grew up uh, in the off-off-Broadway scene, and I just kind of hung out, you know. <laughs> or you never so got away. Why didn't you choose the, you know, the, the set designers and the costumers? They get all the chicks. Yeah, but lighting's really, really cool. And, like the uh, sound, a sound and lighting no, guys, just, we get ignored. I, I mean, I do, I do, I do, uh, I do some scenic stuff, but, but lighting's, lighting's my, my medium. Uh, that's what, that's the, what I feel most comfortable with creating. And uh, it's so instantaneous and so wonderful. And, and, and it's alive, you know, lighting's alive. So what you got on deck? Uh, I don't know. Let's see what's coming up. We, you know, there's always there's always things coming around the corner. Um, specifically, we're working on. Um, we just finished uh, my big thick rod with uh, the rabbit hole ensemble, and we're getting ready to start a new production in a couple of months. Of which I don't really know what they're going to be calling it quite yet, but you know, it's going to be great. Come see it, no matter what it is. All right. Well, congratulations on your win tonight, and best of luck in your future endeavors. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. I'm here with Sean Bro, who just took a New York IT It Award for set design. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks. So what was the show that you won for? Uh, it was Art of Memory, and that was with uh, Tanya Calamineri and her company, Sogono. Um, it was a, a performance piece. It was a, a movement dance, uh, primarily. Uh, so when you're dealing with movement and dance, how, how much do you have to think about what they're doing in your design? Well, initially I sat down with Tanya and we talked about ideas. Um, I wasn't involved so much with the, the performers at the time. I was more involved in the, more thinking about just the area of play that would be happening and uh, you know, how, to, how to work around that to create enough space for movement that it was, because it wasn't a standard play where I could just build a porch and have them sit on a porch and talk. They really needed to be able to safely move around this space. And, and uh, I wanted to give them a, you know, a wide playing field. So ultimately it was just the space, you know, concept came first I, and the performers came second. And so I worked around that. So where are you from? Uh, originally I'm from Massachusetts. Yeah, and I've been in New York about 12, 13 years now. Been designing that whole time? Uh, I'm a painter uh, by trade here in New York. Off-off-Broadway doesn't pay the bills, is it? Uh, no, nah, I wish it did, but <laughs> it, plays, it pays the creative bills, but it doesn't pay the, uh, the rent. Um, but, you know, that's not news to us. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I live in, we live in Brooklyn. I'm 
my wife, Flynn Larson. She's a photographer and artist as well. And we live in Brooklyn. I have a studio out there. And so, uh, but this is all a new endeavor for me. This is the set design. Is this three-dimensional work? Is it's really exciting to me, and I hope to do more of it. And it's, uh, like I said, this is my first set design. Oh, this is so first time, and you first get an award out of the gate. Yeah, so I'm, uh, I'm pretty psyched about that, and uh, you know, I look forward to doing more stuff. I mean, it's a lot of fun for me, and it's something I look forward to. So, you know, and it's a off-off Broadway scene is great because you can really use your imagination. You don't get confined too much with uh, you know, other people trying to tell you what to do, and you can really, uh, you know, explore ideas. So this has been really great. I feel like. This is, uh, they really created something here and to honor all these people. So, you know, it's a great company to be around. So you're looking for your next project, I take it? Oh, I'll be working with Tanya on, on the, we're going to be doing this particular project again, but it's going to be revamped a little bit. We're going to, re, I'm going to redesign the whole set and come at it from a different angle. So it'll be happening next spring, summer, I believe. But, uh, all right, well, best of luck as you continue on. Appreciate it. And yeah. No sophomore slump for you, right? No way, man. <laughs> I'm gone. All right. Well, I'm here with Stephanie Barton Farkish, who I'm especially pleased to announce just one best actress because uh, she's one of the few shows we actually got a chance to interview you when the show's going up. Yeah, that's right. You interviewed us way early in the whole process, which was like, God, when was it? March? Way yeah. back. Yeah. Way back. And yeah, the show right. keeps coming back, I see, too. Yeah, we did an off-Broadway run. Um, after the off-off-Broadway run, um, we are, you know, any producers out there, backers who want to talk to me, that's just fine, because we're gearing up for, a, we have rights to premiere it on Broadway um, in 2009, if we want. So we're, uh, we're finishing up all our paperwork for the off-Broadway and maybe prepping for a Broadway run, a small Broadway run. Um, like I've said, you know, I believe indie theater can be more than... We are always, you know, and we can always go back to Off Off, which is our home, which is great. You know? And your company's Niku Spoon, right? Niku Spoon, yeah. I remember yeah. the whole story yeah, around yeah, that. The people yeah. can listen to the interview, it's still up. Yep. And there was also, I remember too, this has to be pretty sweet, because as I remember, this was also a quite lengthy process for you to get the rights to Elizabeth Rex. It took six years, yeah, because um, Timothy Findlay, who's an amazing Canadian playwright, wrote it in, um, I think, 2001, um, and then died in 2002. And so the Canadian Playwrights uh, Guild, whom he left rights to, um, they had about five or six years of, of it sitting in probate court uh, in Canada while his, one of his family members, let's just say, um, attempted to get rights and kind of was peeved that they didn't have rights and royalties. So, and every year like clockwork, we just applied for rights for the thing. And finally, um, <laughs> um, when I got the letter from them and they said, yes, you can premiere it. And, in New York and here are rights and I went oh my god oh my god um, and that yeah that was the end of kind of 2006 and we knew we had rights for 2008 so we had a good long time to prep for it but I never thought of playing the role ever I know, yeah I remember that in the interview you were I kind of talked into it or something yeah I was going to direct it I mean I had acted over the, the years um, but very rarely with my own company a lot of company members had seen me act but I just didn't act a lot with them, um, and it was actually the company members of Nico Spoon who sort of mounted a campaign um, of harassment and emails and loving phone calls, but basically begged me and bothered me, harassed me into playing the role, and they said, you have to play this role, you have to play this role, and I was like, 
what are you, not some kind of place, well, I'm gonna direct it or something. And they were like, no, 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 you have to play it, read it, read it as an actor, uh, which took a long time for me to do. So does that make this more surprising or sweeter that? Yeah, yeah, it is, it's, I'm, yeah, because I just never thought that, you know, I would win an award for playing Queen Elizabeth I, you know, and shaving my head bald and being British and wow. That's just so odd. I'm so non-royal. I'm just so this little white girl with like two weeks of hair growth. Um, and uh, so I'm not feeling very, um, <laughs> well, I'm feeling pretty royal tonight, actually, I got to tell you. But normally I don't feel very royal. I'm just kind of like, yeah, jeans, t-shirt, whatever. Um, so what's up next for Niku Spoon? Uh, we are, I mean, we're trying to kind of finish this up as an off-Broadway, prep for this on Broadway next year, um, which is mostly all about money right now. We've got everything else. Um, and we have about a quarter of the money we need. Um, we're also doing a world premiere of our fall show, which opens October 8th, which is a kite cut loose in the middle of the sky um, and has as its central character a female who is a quadriplegic. And this, their season, our season's been about women and gender issues. So this is yet another story about another woman uh, dealing with her own issues. So. All right. Well, Stephanie Barton Farkish, I congratulate you on your win and hope, so hope to see the show go further. Thank you so much. I'm here with Tony Award winning costume designer, Catherine Zuber. How are you doing? Very good. So what brings you here tonight to present? Well, um, I got a phone call, and I thought it sounded like a, uh, a sort of a, a great honor to be asked to present, because I've never done that before. And uh, I also uh, feel very uh, strongly about um, Off-Off-Broadway. I've done so much work in Off-Off-Broadway and continue every now and then to do work. People in that can venue. still snag you? Yes, no, really. <laughs> and I, I feel that that's where really exciting things happen, and it's a real challenge. And um, even when you don't have the Broadway budgets, the demand is still there to be able to tell the story and to, um, to create a world and to be creative. And to do that, uh, we sort of have to be doubly creative and how are you going to produce all of those things that you want to do is a thrilling challenge. And I applaud um, all the uh, candidates that were nominated tonight, because I know how hard it is to, to, um, especially for costumes. I think it's so much harder than for sets and for lights. You got a of, tight budget usually to work with. Yeah, and you have to make sure everything's got to fit. It's not only like not only do you have to find it, but it has to be the right size, and it has to people have to be able to move in it. It's it's daunting. What are your tips and tricks for costume designers working on that kind of a budget to deliver the goods? Um, well, I think um, it's good to have some resources, like maybe um, to know where you can get uh, things, uh, borrow things or rent things at a low price. Um, I used to go to the costume collection a lot, get to kind of know their stock and how to work with it. And, um, maybe perhaps think about doing a project uh, that's supposed to be in a certain period. Maybe think about not doing it in period and giving it a slant that is just as interesting, but it's not dependent on uh, expensive, uh, not expensive, but uh, difficult to acquire uh, silhouettes. Um, I think uh, it's great to... Um, you know, if you're able to sew and put things together yourself, um, to get really skilled at knowing all the good thrift shops and how to rummage around in them 
uh, um, keeping a big stock in your parents' basement, if you can, which is what I do. <laughs> I still go to my parents' house sometimes. I mean, I did a show last year where I took clothes from my father for a character uh, because they were perfect, and it was a show I was doing at the roundabout, and I actually... My father's clothes wound up on one of the characters, so I'm still doing that, even though. <laughs> now you've done many, many things. Light in the piazza. You've done a lot of work with Link Center, right. and recently, uh, I have to call it the dream team because the entire design team for South Pacific just swept the Tony yes. Awards. How, how did it feel being involved in kind of that whole creative design energy? Oh, it was. It's wonderful uh, to be a part of a team where everybody is recognized. There's nothing like it. You just feel that people are just responding to the whole event and um, and that the whole kind of um, feeling of it is uh, uh, recognized and appreciated. And it's not like one person is being singled out over the other. It's like the whole team is being honored and it's a fantastic camaraderie that uh, it's unbeatable. It's nothing like it. Speaking of a team, that's a, a large cast and a lot of costumes in that show. What's you, how, how big is your personal team? Do you have assistants and people that are helping yeah, you? Yeah, I do them? have assistants. On that particular show, um, I had three assistants, but not only always at the same time. So I always had two people, but they'd rotate because then one assistant had to go and work on another project we were doing so I always had at least two which isn't really very many for a show of that scale and, and it's not just the people on stage you also have to have you know extra costumes for those people and then you have alternate costumes for understudies yeah correctly. understudies and then the crew we we costume 15 crew members because um when the set moves they actually have to come out and dismantle parts of the set and put it back together again so and we see the orchestra in that thing and Were we see did, the no we did, did part of part of the deal <laughs> when they wanted to do that wonderful moment where the stage slips back was um that the orchestra uh couldn't be costumed because that would have made the budget um out of reach so uh, everybody believed in the idea of the sli stage slipping back so much that um somehow that we're not responsible for costuming the orchestra. <laughs> that would have been a deal breaker, I think. So what do you have on deck? Um, I just, uh, we're working on Man for All Seasons at the Roundabout Theater um, with Frank Langella. Um, and that opens October 7th. And then I'm working on Dr. Atomic at the Metropolitan Opera, the new John Adams Opera. And then I'm working on The Bridge Project, which is um, The Cherry Orchard and Winter's Tale, directed by Sam Mendes at, at BAM, which will then go on tour to Italy and England. So they're very exciting projects right now. And in general, you do a lot of work, not all your work, but a lot of work with like institutions kind of and, and organizations. Yes. What do you find is the big difference working with them creatively versus working on a strictly commercial project? Um, I feel like when you work for an institution, you have the support of that institution. And um, it. Um, I think I've worked on commercial projects where the support has been fantastic. But there's something about um, an institution has... Um, that support is part of their structure. And um, in the initial stages of putting together a piece, there is that support team that's there. Um, and uh, the guidance that they give you and uh, 
They usually have like dramaturgs on uh, dramaturgical uh, uh, members of their um, um, community are available to ask questions when you're in the early stages of the design pro process. So all of that is a great resource um, that I love to take advantage of. When you work on a commercial uh, project, uh, in, the, in the beginning days, you're a little bit on your own before the team grows and grows and grows. Uh, and then it finally does become its own entity. All right, well, Catherine Zuber, I thank you so much okay, for talking with me. And best of yeah. luck with all oh, your endeavors. Thank you. It was lovely to talk okay. to you. I'm here with Cameron Oro, who just won Leading Actor at the NY It Awards, and he looks very surprised or humbled or something. Maybe yes. maybe it's just uh, drunk. It's a little bit. It's a little bit of everything, you know. I, I, I had threw a few beers back before I came here, so maybe it's a little bit of drunkenness. But um, no, I'm I'm completely floored by this, and I can't believe it. Um, I'm I'm so grateful uh, to to everyone at uh, the Innovative Theater Awards and um, for everyone involved in the show. It's this is truly. Um, a wonderful, wonderful feeling. Well, tell us a little, about, a little bit about the show and your role in it. Um, well, the show uh, has an incredibly long title, which sadly, um, now that I've been out of and away from the show for a few months now, I can't remember the entire thing, but the short title is called The Accidental Patriot, and it was written by um, our uh, Stolen Chair Theatre Company uh, member and co-artistic director, Kieran Rickey. Um, and the play was about uh, my character, Desmond Connolly, who is... Um, uh, an American uh, import, <laughs> um, and uh, he leads a revolution against um, the British uh, and and saves the day. I will. I, I'm not going to divulge all of the details, but because um, it's rather convoluted. But uh, that's that's the uh, that's the short version. <laughs> So is this something you auditioned for, recruited for, campaigned for? Um, well, no, actually, uh, I'm a current active member of the Stolen Chair Theatre Company. Um, about three years ago, I answered an email from uh, our, the other co-artistic director, John Stincato, asking me, um, who I had met uh, doing a training seminar a few years ago, asking me if I would be able to fill in very last minute for one of their actors who was unable to um, to participate in the show anymore um, that they were doing at the time. And so I said, yes, of course, I'll do it. I didn't have a whole hell of a lot going on at the time in my life. And so um, I said, great, sure, I'll do it. And uh, I've been making shows with them. Uh, all of our shows are original works written by Kieran and directed by John. Um, and I've been with them now for the past three years. And I've done um, seven shows with them in those three years. And it's been an incredible, incredible journey. So you got something on deck over there? Uh, I'm the next show that they're doing. I'm actually not going to be a part of, but I now they're they're going to find a role for you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I think that they probably uh, would be more than willing to give me a role in it, but I unfortunately will not be in New York at the time. And so um, the show is called "The Theater Is Dead," and so are you. And everyone should check it out if they're able to. And what's what's the website for the company? The, uh, the website it's for the Stolen Chair Theater Company, and the website is www.stolenchair. Org. I completely well, congratulations Thank and you so much. best of luck in your future endeavors. Thanks. I'm here talking with Louis Zorich tonight at yeah. the NYIT Awards. How are you doing? Good. Well, very good. Now, what award did you present? Uh, leading actor and leading actress. Uh, yeah, and don't ask me who won because, oh, wait, I, <laughs> I don't know. It was, uh, well... <laughs> 
Some, <laughs> it's terrible life. It's not here. Believe me, I, I, I'm okay. with you. I've been getting barraged by okay. so many names I, I tonight. Bet, I bet. All right. So uh, it, it was it was kind of fun because uh, I didn't see the audience. <laughs> <laughs> well, now the, the press notes mention you know you as being you know in mad about you with Paul Reiser. Yeah, yeah. And I'm suspecting that's not the only thing you've done in your career. Well, you know what happens. <laughs> they, they always they always bring out the most popular thing. I, I've done over what 21 Broadway shows. I don't know how many off-Broadway shows, and, and about 100 commercials, and a lot of theater. But uh, they always, like when somebody dies, they say he was the Fonz in Happy Days or something. You know, <laughs> that crap. But you got to live with it. What else, what else are you going to do? So what are some of your most favorite roles versus your most popular ones? Uh, my, well, I'll tell you what. We had a theater in New Jersey called the whole Theater. Montclair, New Jersey. My wife ran it the last four or five years. And I always wanted to do King Lear. So she says, I am going to uh, put, put, I want you to do King Lear next year. I said, no, no, no. Why not? I, I'm terrified of it. Okay. Next year, when she was making out the play schedule, all right, you want to do King Lear this year? I, I said, no, no, why? I, 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 it's too big. I, it's like climbing a mountain. Okay, the next year she says, I'm putting it on the program and you're going to do it. And I had to. But it was a great experience because you have to, you have to do the, the things that you fear. I think it's, it's true in every business. If you walk away from it, I mean, whenever you ask people, what is your biggest regret? It's usually something they were terrified of not doing. And that was one of the things I did do. And Falstaff, I did Falstaff at the public theater uh, in the 90s. And that was quite an experience. <laughs> so since you've been acting long before and you continue to act, what impact is being in a show on a, you know, on a television show that goes into millions of people's homes and they feel like they get to know you? False, maybe false, correctly or falsely, what kind of impact does that have on how you get cast after that and, and your abilities? Well, for a while, usually uh, about three, four, five years after the show ended, people would still recognize me. But now nobody does, and I'm glad because <laughs> they say the same damn thing. What was Paul Reiser like? How about Helen Hunt? Uh, I mean, they were both wonderful. Uh, Paul is, uh, I, I know... You don't have to answer that question. Okay. <laughs> no, oh, no, no, this uh, no, is very good, very good. Because when Helen Hunt won two, three, four Emmys in a row, the first year she says, I want to thank Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser, Paul Reiser. Because she came on as an actress and she began to have some input as a producer. And finally, she began to direct. And she directed three, four shows. And the last show, the last show was a two-parter. And she directed both. Now, what star would permit a woman to grow like that. Not many guys. Now they it's very competitive out there and Paul was very, very generous. Very generous. I'll never forget him for that. So that's one of the good things about so uh, in that five year in that five year period that you're talking about where people recognized you, did that affect how you got cast in things and no, other things? No, not not really. Uh they weren't like, oh, we just want to see that guy. No. Oh, no, no, 
partner. I, I, I tried not to do... Well, I, I, I went up for a few movies and I thought it was going to be simple. Just walk in and they'll give you the job. Not true. Not true. So I began to do other things. I began to do... I did a show with Jack Klugman uh, for about two years and then I, I did a show off Broadway. And this is what I'm doing now. I want to... I've come to the point in my life when I want to do what I want to do. If somebody says, come on over, I, I, I got this place, I says, I don't want to do it. Usually I would feel very guilty, but now I says, I don't give a shit. I you, can, you can say that on our oh, program. I don't give a shit. I don't have to do, because every actor, it's, I feel so much for actors because when they first begin, They'll do anything to work. And I mean anything. Shit. Crap. And they have to. they got to pay the rent. But if actors are smart, if they are in touch with themselves, finally, after maybe 10, 15 years, they'll get to themselves and they'll say, what do I want to do? What do you want to do? I mean, what do you want to do? You. Uh, I'm, I'm doing it. I'm getting to meet oh, lots doing, of great people. You, I, I run doing, a recording studio in New York City. Really? I work with performers. Yeah, I work with independent singers and songwriters that, that's great. and composers. That's great. And, that's great. No, really. So. Because uh, I, I very much understand where you're going because that's kind of been my whole philosophy. Life's too short to spend it doing what you right. don't want to do. You're right. You're right. It's awful. Really <laughs> awful. It's bumped Hi. up. Lou Zork, thanks so much for Thank talking you. with okay. me and sharing your advice with our Thank listeners. You. I'm here talking with Edward Elefterian, who just won the New York Innovative Theatre Award for Best Director. And you look a little shell-shocked. Yeah, I was. <laughs> I'm still a little shell-shocked. Um, so tell us a little bit about the show you won for. Uh, the Night of Nosferatu. Um, it's, a, it's an adaptation of the film, uh, the silent film Nosferatu by Murnau and uh, the novel Dracula. It's won a couple other things tonight too. Hasn't uh, it? it won for for best lighting. Kevin Hardy won for best lighting, and uh, we we are up up for six different things. So uh, you know we'll we'll see what ha we'll see what happens. But uh, but yeah, we're really we're really happy about it. Just being nominated is great, you know. Oh, you you it's can true. say that now. That no, you know. it's true. <laughs> That's how I felt. I mean, I was like, listen, the chances that we're going to win anything are like you know, twelve percent maybe. <laughs> you know what I mean, like very low. So. Um, Let's just enjoy the ride. You know, it's great to be recognized and recognized six six different times for one show. That's pretty great. So, you know, this is like super bonus round. You know, like um, leap into hyperspace or something. It feels great, um, of course. But yeah, no kidding. It's really great to be nominated. So, what attracted you to this project in the first place? Um, uh, I like monsters, and I've liked them since I was a kid. And uh, and I I saw a space in Brooklyn, a raw space. And it made me think of, uh, we should do a play here. And I thought of Nosferatu because it was kind of a drippy, kind of tomb-like place. So, um, so we, we went and, and found the shooting script from the, the silent film. And we got a playwright, Stanton Wood, who we worked with many times in the past. And we took a year off, well, a year off from doing anything else. And we focused on Nosferatu. And, and uh, I guess it paid off, you know. <laughs> so so how, how do you, do you advertise that to the audience? Come spend the night in a drippy um, cell-like um, space? Well, we did it, we did it in like, in like four, four different spaces. The first space was that. And we didn't, you know, we just went on the street and said, here we are in Brooklyn. The space holds like 40 people. And as soon as they found out that was happening, they, they filled it up. And so that was great. Um, but then we kind, of, we kind of got noticed and picked up and given kind of a grant to develop the play more. 
um, and we did it in Manhattan, and then we got a, uh, accepted into the into a festival over the summer in, in Manhattan, and we did it to another space and did another version of it, and then we decided to produce it ourselves for Halloween. So it's sort of like a, I mean, we you know, Halloween's kind of a built-in. So this is coming up again as well? No, oh, no, oh, God, oh, no. Oh, last Halloween. Yeah, yeah, last Halloween. <laughs> yeah, last Halloween we did it, and, um, you know, we, we scheduled, we, once we decided to spend the year on it, we decided, um, let's go for Halloween because it's so obvious, you know. Um, so we did, we did, and that's the sort of that's sort of how we did it. <laughs> All right, well, congratulations. Well, and what do you have on deck then? Yeah, um, thanks for asking because we're doing um, we're doing a new play. Um, it's the New York premiere of a, of a play by Neil Bell um, called Shadow of Himself, which is a, an adaptation of Gilgamesh, like the epic of Gilgamesh. So that'll be happening in January, um, and um, yeah, I, I don't know. Stay in touch at rabbitholeensemble.com and. Uh, yeah, just come see the work. All right, well, congratulations Thanks and enjoy lot. the rest of your evening. Thank you. You too. I'm here with Daniel Talbot and Isaac Byrne. How are you guys doing? Good. How are you doing? Daniel, right? Yes. Yeah. Isaac, yes, very good. Thank you. <laughs> and what award did you just present here? Uh, outstanding Direction. Uh, outstanding Director, yeah. yeah you presented <laughs> it together. And you, you're previous winners of the award, correct? Yep, that's right. Uh, yep. Isaac's 2006 and I'm 2007. Both for directing. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, have you noticed anything with uh, getting jobs or getting directors' things? Is this is this influenced? Do you now courted by Hollywood? Um, <laughs> I, I, Hollywood hasn't called quite yet, but um, it, it it definitely has. Uh, like I found it a, a lot easier in terms of casting. Uh, certainly, there are a, a lot um, a, a broader pool of, of actors who wanted to work with uh, me after after I, I, we won the award. And, um, you know, I, I feel like every year as the Ed Awards get bigger and they get more noticed, people tend to notice it more on my resume now, which is nice. So maybe in about five, ten years, it'll be like a Tony. Great. Yeah, God, that'd be awesome. <laughs> well, and, and what he's also just, I mean, for grant writing for our companies and stuff, stuff like that helps a lot. And you, know, you can, you, you know, the grant folkies take you a tad more seriously mm-hmm. if, if you have stuff like that, which helps, you know, so... Yeah, they want to see those awards. They, they really want, want the awards because they're like, what the fuck are you doing off, 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 off Broadway? So if they see an award, they take it more seriously, which helps. So what do the two of you have on deck right now? Uh, we're working on a show called Fresh Kills uh, for the spring, which uh, was at the London uh, Royal Court. Sorry. Okay. Yeah, you don't need to be too close to the mic. It's just picking up pretty good. Sorry. Okay, I'll stand back. Sorry. Uh, yeah, Fresh Kills, which was at uh, the Royal Court in London, and we're going to do the New York premiere. And uh, is there a website people can go to to find out about that? Uh, yes, www.workingmansclothes.com. And yourself? Uh, we are um, we're working on new, two new Crystal Skillman plays in February at Jimmy's number 43. Uh, you can get information on that at uh, www.risingphoenixrep.org. And we're hoping to move our first production off-Broadway, um, which we should know about in a couple weeks. So. All right, well, thanks for joining us and coming back to your alma mater, so to speak, and best of luck in your careers. Thank you so much, man. Thank you. Thank you, Michael. All right, I'm here talking with Andrea Marie Smith, who won Best Ensemble for her one-woman show. (laughs) (laughs) If by one woman you mean not at all one woman. (laughs) No, you're representing the ensemble because this was like ten people that won here. Yes, Vampire Cowboys Theater Company for Fight Girl Battle World, and we are just ecstatic, ecstatic. 
Yeah, I actually heard a lot about this. I didn't get a chance to get to it myself, but I had actually had a lot of friends who caught it, and they really were impressed with what was done with such a low budget. Oh, it was it was a fantastic show. We called it um, a melding of Laura Croft Tomb Raider meets Star Wars. And, yep, that's uh, the kind of stuff my friends that, like. That was that was our tagline, I think. And we did. We we made a lot out of a shoestring budget. Everybody was willing to give 150%, and it was amazing. We had so much fun. It was so hard to say goodbye at the end of the show. It just it was just an amazing time, and it. And I'm so glad that we got recognized as an ensemble because that's what we were. Every step of the way was everybody working with everybody else, and uh, to make it happen. And there's a lot of physical work in this show as well, right? Oh yes, it's a we do a lot of combat uh, in all of our shows, but this one was set. Uh, it's like a sci-fi type deal. So we had hand-to-hand -hand combat, and you had giant guns, and there were two-headed lizards, and it, it just smoke smoke machines and. Mass insanity. Honestly. Must have been awful to have to go to every day. Oh, terrible. Not at all fun. <laughs> Not at all fun. Just, just a really fun, difficult, amazing, wonderful show. And is it, I'm going to try to remember the name from earlier, Kui Gwai? Kui Gwyn. Kui Gwyn. That's very close. He, he won for uh, choreography. He, he won for choreography. He also wrote the play. So he's a very talented man. Uh, Robert Ross Parker directed. And we, we started working on this over a year ago, workshopping it and creating it all as an ensemble. We created this show from the ground up. So uh, it, it's making me sad to get back with everybody and, and miss it all over again. Have you worked with this company before? Oh, I have. I've been working with Empire Cowboys for years now. Started our first big New York production was... Uh, spring 2004, Vampire Cowboy Trilogy. So uh, I've worked with Vampire Cowboys since then, pretty constantly. We do one big production a year and then several smaller productions. We have Saturday Night Saloon that we do, just lots of different stuff, representing Vampire Cowboys and um, Battle of the Bards and all sorts of events. So I stick with them. I've ventured out a few times, um, working at T. Schreiber Studio right now on Twelfth Night. Uh, playing Olivia, which is another kind of wonderful, but um, Vampire Cowboys is definitely my home. All right, well, congratulations uh, to the ensemble, uh, and best of luck with everything you got going on coming up. Thank you very much. Thank you. I'm here talking with Akia, one word like Shakira. It's an anagram almost, isn't it? Almost. <laughs> and you're with the NYIT. I'm the company manager for the New York Innovative Theater Awards. I'm also one of the producers of the event tonight. I uh, work with Leonard on the Honorary Awards Committee, and I work with Rising Sun Performance Company. And Leonard, I just already spaced your last name. In uh, it's Jacobs. Leonard Jacobs. And you are the editor. I am the national theater editor of Backstage and the first string critic for Backstage in the New York Press. And Backstage is <laughs> a little paper that I think most of our people are familiar with. I'm just going to nod. I know you all can't see that out there in pod place land. Sarcasm works great on audio. I could, it? you know, I'm so I'm so unfamiliar with sarcasm. I, I just, I, you know, I just, I, I'm, I'm, t I'm taking uh, remedial sarcasm actually right now. Uh, no. Uh, <laughs> well, really, was that okay? I, I guess I got to join that program. I could, you, you, I, you're running it, aren't you? Um, I thought I was learning from you. I, wow, we are so off topic here. I, you know. <laughs> and you microphone in your hand are you just happy to see us <laughs> so the award you presented tonight was uh, we prevented uh, presented the cafe chino fellowship uh, which goes to a much different than prevented it um, well, some people would like me to prevent the Cafe Chino Fellowship, but um, we, uh, I chair the Honorary Awards Committee, and the Cafe Chino Fellowship goes to a theater company that uh, the committee uh, feels has done superlative work over a period of time, and it comes with a monetary grant 
Ah, that's what everybody's really... It's all about the bucks. <laughs> so uh, who was the winner tonight for that? Uh, the recipients were uh, Boomerang Theatre Company, uh, for, and they're also celebrating their 10th season, which was pretty exciting for them and for the community. So uh, the committee thought that uh, we bestowed that honor upon them. You know, in the world of Off-Off-Broadway, most companies never reach 10 years, or if they do reach 10 years, it's rare that they reach it intact, or that they're thriving, or that they're growing. I mean, it's hard. You know, there's that whole old saw, which isn't much of a saw, and it isn't that old, that if you if you want to start a theater company, you know, give yourself 10, 15 years before you ever really start getting anywhere. Um, and so the committee felt that in honor of all of the work that it's done, and in addition to the fact that they, um, they're generalists, I mean, it's kind of what we said in our in our remarks, um, <laughs> there are all these companies that specialize in different genres and, and approaches, and that's all fine and well, but we thought uh, as the fourth uh, Chino recipient, uh, that we would honor a company that does everything really well, um, that does new work, that does classical work, that does different acting techniques, different approaches to the work, um, because, um, you know, it's good to be well-rounded in this bizarrest of professions. Now, it's clear you're pretty involved in the community as well as, you know, being an editor and reviewer for backstage, and I'm, I'm kind of curious question. I, I personally made a a point of staying away from anything resembling a review, just for talking to people. And I'm curious, as a reviewer, how often do you run into people who are like miffed because you didn't say the greatest things about them? Um, <laughs> there are five in the room right now. Um, oh, okay. You know, yes. yes, I see the I see the the weapons raised. I could. It's like it's like it's like hanging with the clan. No, um, I, I you're gonna cut that, aren't you? Um, <laughs> you know, um, I've been a I've been a critic for 18 years. Um, and I'm also a theater practitioner. I write plays, I've directed plays, I've worked as a dramaturg. Um, I don't review friends. I will review acquaintances. But I have a very basic philosophy, which is that I think that the critic is an integral part of the work, does, should not and must not stand outside the work, and that if you are constructive in your criticism, even if it's not the kindest criticism, if you're constructive in it, you can play a vital role in the way the work gets presented. I think if you're professional, both in terms of the way the criticism is presented and in the way that it's received, you can have a mutual exchange of views without it becoming a you know nasty knockdown, drag out, whatever. When you're the kind of critic who does slash and burn and you want to hurt people and you write things that don't really help the work along but are really just about doing damage, then you incur people's wrath and understandably so. I try very hard not to do that and I would like to think, people may disagree, but I would like to think that I am a, a, a kind and, and constructive critic. I will add one thing, not to monologue about this, but most critics have never worked as practitioners or only rarely work as practitioners and I think it's important to have to know what it's like to, to hang a light, you know, write a write some dialogue or, you know, get on a stage and do something. It doesn't matter if you're good or not. If you can get any insight into how the artists do what they do, it makes you a better critic at the end of the day. And I try very hard to uh, put the uh, my background to that uh, to that standard. All right. Well, thank you very much. And thanks for, you know, coming and helping shine a spotlight on Off Off Broadway here. Uh, absolutely. Thank you. Thanks for taking time to talk to us. Have a great night. Sorry to ramble. I'm here talking with Tim and Frank with the Boomerang Theater Company, who just won the Cafe Chino Fellowship Award, and I've, I've already spaced out their full name, so I'm going to let them tell it to you. Uh, Tim Erickson, Artistic Director of the Boomerang Theater Company. And Frank Kuzler, Managing Director of the Boomerang Theater Company. 
Right now, I just got, you know, in, in the previous interview here, the skinny that they felt that your company did everything well, that you did classics and straight plays and different acting styles. And is that a conscious choice of your mission, I guess? To do it well? Absolutely. <laughs> Not to do it poorly? <laughs> yes. We try to do, yeah, we try to do it well. Um, yeah, I think that overall, in the last 10 years we've been around, our goal has been to do as wide a range of uh, things as we possibly can. We also do things in rotating repertory, so our conscious effort is to put disparate things together and see how they respond to each other, see how ideas bounce off each other, how themes have transcended eras or genres or what have you. So we do a lot of different things and we package them together so that they do compare and contrast off each other. What, what are the biggest challenges in selling a, an off-off-Broadway company in your season to subscribers in this day and age? Uh, I think it's it's mostly getting the word out there. I mean, we we're growing and getting more and more and more fortunate with getting butts and seats. But I think the, the the largest challenge continues to be getting people aware that off off Broadway slash independent theater is a place to come for for great theater. And why are you going to pay a hundred dollars a ticket when you can pay considerably less? And really. Letting people know. 99.95, right? Yeah, right, exactly, 99.95. Yeah, and I think that the great thing about that challenge, and it is a challenge that every theater company in our, in our, of our size faces, is that in the 10 years we've been around, so many things have come along to make that challenge easier to fight. It's still a challenge, but things like the New York Innovative Theater Awards, like Martin Denton and the New York Theater Experience, there's so many things that help us fight that fight every day. Um, it's still a fight, and we're still in there up to our hips in it, but we fight it every day with a lot of support from a lot of different people behind us. Now, and things like this, and you guys. Thank you so much. Now, this comes with a cash grant as well, right? Now, uh, you, got it, you already got that tapped for use? Oh, yeah, man. That's, that, that money's, that money's uh, spent. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, we put all on it. We're actually going into our season right now, our, our rep season. So that, this is the time for us where it's, you know, our out-of-pocket out of cash. You know, we get the most donations, but we also are gearing up for the season and most expenses. So the money will be well spent. Yeah. We've got three plays coming up in rotating rep from November into December. It's the longest rep we've ever done. We're going, performing over seven weeks. So that money's going towards all the expenses that that uh, go into our 10th season, which we're using to celebrate our 10th anniversary. And what are the shows that you're in rep uh, with? We're doing Tennessee Williams' Summer and Smoke. We're doing Eric Overmeyer's Native Speech. And we're doing the world premiere of Colin McKenna's Parking Lot Lonely Heart. So quite a plate going on here. Yeah. yeah. You have a website people can go to to find out more about your company? Yeah, boomerangtheater.org. All right. And uh, maybe we can get you guys on here, uh, actually on the show, to talk about the, the festival coming up. Yeah, and, we would love that. That'd be great. And congratulations on your award and in maybe being a little less strapped for cash because of it. <laughs> Terrific. Thanks so much. Michael. Take care. What's going on? Well, I'm here with Bill Irwin, uh, who has gone from clown to serious to all over the map <laughs> in his acting style of stage and television. Hopefully back again. <laughs> we hope to go back and forth. So... You, you have done so many things. I mean, I think you first really came to at least a real national prominence, prominence doing a lot of clown work. And, and since then, I've, I've seen you doing more and more serious things. Has that been a conscious effort? To, to yes, because you don't have to fall down as often. <laughs> uh, yes, I, I'm sort of returning full circle to working as an actor because fortunately, I'm very grateful that I trained as an actor first. And I tried to take that into clown work. And, Sometimes I was successful and sometimes I wasn't. And uh, I hope to do clown work to the moment they put me in a box for good, but I uh, 
also uh, hope to continue this return to work as an actor because, man, it's exhilarating. You get to say other people's great words. <laughs> now, I'm going to bring up one thing that maybe some people don't bring up, but uh, I believe it's maybe about, I don't know, 12, 13 years ago, the Lincoln Center to honors to Stephen Sondheim, where I believe you did a number with Karen Ziemba. <laughs> yes, Carnegie Hall. We were at Carnegie Hall. Yes, in fact, uh, I was looking at that on videotape because we were trying to clean the shelves off at home, all this stuff. Uh, Karen Ziemba can, then could, and now can sing a song like nobody else. And Susan Stroman just sort of put us through what she had in mind for a man and a woman to do while that song was going on, and sooner it, or later. It was so sexy and so well put oh together. My God, that yeah, Karen was so sexy. I just hung on for dear life. So uh, what are some of your things that you've got on deck in your, in your career? Television crime drama. I'm going to L.A. soon to be a something. And, uh, <laughs> are you going to be the guy who like, gets to say, the you know, oh, uh, a nurse died. Oh, okay, so I guess uh, I'm not good with puns. But you know where they say, I, I guess they just admitted their last patient. Oh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's why we have writers to give us that <laughs> shit. But uh, I don't know. I'm looking forward to it immensely. I get to do what crime drama demands. And then I have great hopes. I mean, nothing's confirmed, but I have great hopes of doing a Samuel Beckett play on a New York stage sometime before I'm too old. And uh, then beyond that, paying the rent is is big priority and big dream. So how often do you have to at your, your stage of the game? Because you strike me as the guy that, uh, theater people we know, we definitely know who you are, but in the film world, you strike me as that guy that probably a lot of people recognize, but people might not necessarily know your name, because you, you, you do so much, but. I'm forever going out to audition. However, there is a really cool movie coming out very soon. This is what you're supposed to do when a microphone is pointed toward you, isn't it? Uh, October 3rd, a movie called Rachel Getting Married, Jonathan Demme's film. That's yeah. been Anne, Anne Hathaway's. Yes. She's been getting a lot of buzz for that. I play her father and also Rose DeWitt's father. The two girls are my progeny. And it's just a really interesting movie. I hope that people like it. I hope it finds an audience and uh, that maybe people will rent it uh, when it comes to video. Well, now, just gone to your clown background and stuff, I'm curious, for people who are interested in, in the clown kind of and the movement and humor-based things, what are your, some of your recommendations and, and resources that you recommend to younger people out there? Oh, for people who, like, who, who would like to get to into that. that kind of work? Uh, small appetite, uh, uh, sturdy knees, and uh, just a, a really deep and endless love for the form because it's, a, it's an exhilarating work. It's also a really cruel work sometimes. It, it, you have to carry it on. It's like playing the zither or something. You have to do it whether people are interested or not. And then suddenly they are one week and then suddenly they're not the next week. But you've got to practice every day. It, it is the deepest kind of laughter, though, when people laugh at clown work. As David Shiner often says, there's a different kind of laughter. It's a visceral laughter, and uh, may I get to do a little of it until the day I kick. <laughs> All right, well, and you, what award did you present tonight here? Ensemble, best ensemble to an incredibly beautiful and young group of actors, not one of whom I'd ever met before, and it was a thrill. Do you think I can remember the name of their piece? No, I can't, but uh, uh, it was just it's a... fight girl, I'm going to get a day with me. Four unrelated nouns, and... <laughs> and uh, to be here tonight as people are 
honoring each other for Off-Broadway is just the greatest. It's just the greatest. It's where all the decisions are made by passion, not commercial uh, concern. Right. I, I see Edward Albee over my shoulder. I bet you want to grab him. Oh, you're, you're, you're actually helping me out yes. in, this, in the scoop. Don't well, let Bill Irwin, I, I wanted to talk to you tonight. I really did. So I'm glad you, that you, you did take the time to chat. And Surely. Thanks for coming down and helping shine the light off Off-Broadway. Well, it's a thrill to be here, and I'm off to Grand Central to make that train. <laughs> thanks, Michael. I'm here with Kristen Martin, who just, uh, he's, she's the artistic director of the company, who just won the best... Performance art production. So how do you feel tonight? Feeling really good. We're thrilled that we were honored in this way. So what was your show that you won for? It's called Removable Parts. Um, the music was written by Corey Dargle, and it was performed with Corey and Kathleen Sapove. It was directed by Emma Griffin, and it was a series of love songs about voluntary amputation. <laughs> no, is this something that you kind of you know, put together as, a, as an ensemble with the organization, or how did um, this come together? It was developed through our resident artist program. We have a program where we develop between 15 and 20 artists for up to three years, developing hybrid work, and that's how this piece came about. So what do you like most about putting together performance art? Uh, I, I think of what we do actually as work that uh, is outside classification. We do hybrid work at our place, and I think performance art is a label that gets put onto that kind of work at times. But um, what I really am looking for is the passion and uniqueness of the artist's vision, and that's what I really respond to, and that's what I think audiences really respond to. And it doesn't matter if it's theater or if it's dance or it's performance arts or it's music. You know, people are just responding to the work. So where can people go to find out more about your company? Here.org. Wow, that's simple. They, they should be able to remember that. Right, great. <laughs> All right, well, congratulations tonight on your win, and best of luck with your company. Okay, thank you. I'm here with Mr. Edward Albee, who should need no introduction to all of you out there, but for those of you who might be missing out on the multi-award-winning playwright of Who's Afraid of Virginia Woolf, Three Tall Women, The Goat Who's Afraid of Sylvia, numerous more. A bunch more. of others, 27 others, yeah. <laughs> and a bunch of others. As a playwright, you've been successful. You've had commercial and critical successes for decades. More critical success than commercial, you know. Out of my 30 plays, I think 23 of them have, have, have lost the shirts for the producers. Really? Yeah. I consider that a compliment. <laughs> so, even, and you continue right. I believe you had about three new shows just in the past year or so yeah, as well. Well, I had uh, well, I had five plays in in small theaters this past season. Yeah, so just everybody's and doing. I had your one work. in Princeton, which is probably coming into New York next year. So, so what what originally, way back when, made you want to write for the theater? Because I started out when I was in my uh, ten or eleven as a poet, and I wrote two novels in my teens. And I tried short stories, and that didn't work. I failed at every other branch of writing. So when I was 28, I tried playwriting and wrote a play called The Zoo Story, and that worked a little better. Zoo Story is, ah, that's one of my all-time favorites. So I was a late starter. <laughs> Zoo Story is an incredible start. Yeah, it wasn't bad. Good play. So now, um, besides your playwriting and stuff, do you do in, any teaching or in... Oh, I, I direct, of course. Uh, I... Um, I teach, I, I work with young playwrights and try to uh, help them to fix their plays without doing any damage to them. <laughs> not selling out, not commercializing, but really doing what they really intended. So, so what are some of those? Responsibility. 
What are some of the first pieces of advice you give to upcoming playwrights? Uh, play uh, has a, a play is as long as it needs to be. Uh, don't get trapped into thinking a play should be two hours long. Some of them are great ones are ten minutes long. Some of them are seven hours long. Um, trust your characters. Make them three-dimensional. Don't write about yourself. Write about more interesting people. That's an interesting thing because so many people recommend that you write you know, from what you know. And write through your experience but not necessarily of your experience because you can't be objective about yourself. So uh, have you found yourself writing something that felt like it was getting too close? No. No, I'm, I'm always aware that I'm writing about people that are more interesting. Do they know who they are? Not, not to, in everything else. So what are some of the hurdles that you still, because you still do a lot of writing and you, you're keeping going in a big way. What are... All the time. What have I learned? I don't know. I may have my craft a little more under control. I think uh, I don't make quite as many mistakes as I used to. And the mistakes that I do make, I think, maybe are more interesting. Like I said, you've had a real big resurgence this past decade, you know, and... I don't know. I, would, I wouldn't want to say you're. It seemed like you were maybe kind of like out of fashion for a decade. Of course, I was. Everybody goes in and yeah. out of fashion. During that period, where you were out of fashion, so to speak, what well, kept driving by, by, you? By, by which you mean that I didn't have any productions in New York City. Yes, I had productions all over Europe and all over the rest of the United States. But I was persona non grata in New York, and therefore I was invisible. So you didn't miss it that much with everything else that was going on. I was having fun, I was having a good time, I was writing good plays, I thought, and, um, you know, just uh, go about your business and maybe they'll figure it out, maybe they won't. How often do you look back at the plays you've written and go, what was I thinking, or, or, or do you... Or, what I was thinking when I was writing them. <laughs> or, I mean, how often are you, do you go back and you're still proud of them, and how often do you go back and you were like, well, that maybe wasn't one of my best? Um, well, I, I have no taste, I, I, I'm fond of all of them, including... Maybe I'm most fond of the ones that have um, had the least success because I'm waiting for those to be accepted by people. I don't know. So, so out of those, what would be the one play from your catalog that doesn't get checked out enough that you encourage everybody to take a look at? People to see uh, The Man Who Had Three Arms, for example. <laughs> That's not a bad play. As a matter of fact, playwrights like that play a lot. <laughs> All right, well, Edward Albee, I thank you so much for coming down. And You, uh, you presented the award for best music, best play, right? Uh, outstanding production of a play. Outstanding production of a play, yes, the full, full thing. Well, I thank you so much for coming down and helping shine the light off Broadway, and I wish you the best and another couple Pulitzers in your career. That'd be fun. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. I'm standing here with David Cody, who's the theater critic and theater editor with Time Out magazine. How are you doing? I'm great. How are you doing? Good. And what award were you presenting tonight? Outstanding performance art production. Now, I imagine you, maybe more than a lot of people here, actually saw a good portion of the shows. No? Well, you're going to catch me here. You're going to get me. That was a gotcha moment. Um, I actually, I will not lie, I have not seen a lot of these productions. I uh, mostly see Broadway and off-Broadway shows. I, I edit the section, so I try to send critics out to, to most of these shows, and that's how I support them. I... But, you know, after coming... Okay, look, I'm having a conversion moment. The road to Damascus right here. I, I uh, you know, I, I realize that I really need to get out and see more. See more off-off-Broadway. I mean, I consider myself an off-off-Broadway booster. But actually getting out to see shows, you know, five nights a week is not easy. 
I'm mostly, like I said, mostly seeing Broadway and off-Broadway. So I should, I should see more. But I'm, you know, I'm honored to be around these people. Just out of curiosity, I'm, I'm sure a lot of, we have, a, besides fans, we have a lot of theater companies that listen. What does it take to get, you know, for a smaller theater to get time out into review? Well, it's a, that's a tough question. I mean, it's, um, I don't want to, you know, I, I could just say, oh, get a press agent. Because that costs like, that can cost like two or $3,000. And you're not guaranteed anything. Um, but, you know, for what a press agent, like, you know, Karen Greco or Ron Lasko or, you know, any number of them out there. Katie Rosen, Vampire. Katie Rosen, of course, yes. What they'll do is they'll, um, you know, they'll sort of help you focus your message and get it to the press press person like myself. We're, we're inundated with, like, press releases, email, you know, fax, uh, in the mail. And uh, I actually am, too. So I can yeah, imagine. sure. I mean, it's just, it's tricky. I mean, we have like two. We have a full-time person and a part-time person just to like sift through everything and like and, uh, enter and enter listings. Um, I, you know, a humorous press release sometimes helps. Um, a very clear, you know, statement about what how what you're doing with that Shakespeare or that Chekhov or why this new play, you know, should should garner our attention. It's really tough. I mean, because unless it unless you have a real a gimmick or a real selling point. Or you know, would, you know, for me, I'll just say uh, we have we can review eight shows and like five of or five or six of those slots are Broadway and off Broadway. So what are we going to pick? Plus there are like twelve or so, twelve or twenty off off companies that I always pay attention to, and they do more experimental work. So a showcase, uh, you know, you and your friends are doing some Christopher Durang play. Ah, I can't justify that. It's hard at you know at Theater Row. It's like oh, and how much of getting reviewed off off Broadway is due to space limitations or just the sheer fact of getting the reviewer out to see the show? Uh, I think it's, 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 it's space limitations mostly. I mean, we can't just run like, we can't run like 12 or 14 reviews in a week. We can review maybe 10 or 11. Um, so it's space limitations. I mean, everybody's feeling a crunch, you know, with the economy. I mean, I can't just, you know, I have to pay a freelancer and, and we have to have enough pages in our section, which the section size changes from week to week depending on advertising. Now, editorial and advertising are separate, church and state. But, you know, in a given week, they'll be like, oh, you only get eight pages, or you get ten pages. Uh, you, get, you get seven pages this week. So that doesn't, I usually don't cut reviews out, but it means I might have to cut listings out to fit the whole stuff, to fit the whole lineup. Uh, it's really, this is very exciting, I'm sure, for your listeners. But, it, you know, these, this is the, this is the type of, uh, no, boy, we have theater geeks who I'm sure right now are just hanging on every word yeah. you're saying. Well, you know, I, I really depend on my freelancers to just say, hey, uh, this company is doing a show out at, out in Brooklyn or whatever, and and uh, or they're you know they're doing this this show. It runs for two weeks only, but we really should get a reviewer out there, and we do that. You know, we we, we go and we, we send a freelancer. Um, again, I can't cover everything. I just don't have. I mean, that's what that's what that's what Martin Denton's NewYorkTheater.com is for. Um, uh, you know, and I'm you know I don't know how many hits he gets. He probably gets more hits than, I, I you know, in terms of readers of Time Out. I think what, our circulation is around 200 or 250 thousand. But I don't know what percentage of those people are, are actually going to the theater section. So, you know, it's... it's oh, you don't want to say that online. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if you're on this website, go straight to the timeout website right now. Uh, yeah, so I, it's, um, I don't know what to say. It's like, I wish we had unlimited space and budget to like, cover everything, but it's just impossible. It's impossible. And, um, you know, and then when you do cover a lot... Then when you do go to an off-off show and it's just not ready to be reviewed, it can create a sort of, you know, negative association. Although, again, I consider myself an off-off booster. Now, how often do you find yourself as a, as a critic as well in a social situation where you're with somebody that you haven't written the best review for 
Does it, does it happen to you? I personally have made a big effort to stay away from anything resembling a yeah. review because I'm terrified of interviewing somebody. Right. <laughs> I was actually, I was going through my head tonight. I was like, okay, looking down the list of presenters, like, okay, any awkward, potentially awkward situations here? But no, I mean, um, no, absolutely not. I mean, in fact, one of my heroes, Edward Albee, was a presenter. and I know, I just got to interview him oh, and wow. I was kind of... I'm amazed that I came up with questions because yeah. I was just kind of, oh my God, I'm talking oh, with Edward Albee. He's, he's a pro. He's a pro. <laughs> um, you know, I, ha- I, you know, years ago, I did run into somebody at a bar. I had written something really sweepingly in a review that said like the, ca- the, the cast is mediocre. You know, sort of tossed off a sort of blanket condemnation like that. And I actually ran into the guy at a bar with uh, some other friends, and he was like, oh yeah, yeah, you in that review, you said the whole cast was mediocre. That was pretty. Uh, I don't know what he said, but you know, it was, that was he wasn't happy. He wasn't. You know, he wasn't grabbing me by the lapels and you know trying to smash a beer into my face. But he uh, and, and I definitely yeah, that was definitely uncomfortable, awkward <laughs> moment. Um, no, but generally I don't. I mean, I if I, I have friends who are in theaters, I I, I, um, I have friends who run theaters. I generally I don't review their work. I try to I try to you know I try to avoid conflicts of interest. By the same token, there might be a theater company that I've been following for years. That this is less true than it used to be a few years ago. There might be like a, a, an experimental theater company like Radio Hole, and I might know I know some of the members of the group. I mean, I don't hang out with them; they don't owe me money. I don't owe them money, but you know, I don't sleep over at their place. But uh, you know, they're, they're, when they were just starting out, it's like nobody knew their work, and I knew it was, and I thought it was really great work, and they've gotten tons of recognition and whatever. So I reviewed their stuff in the early years, and uh, you know, I still review I still review it now and then because I can't, you know, I, my choice is either to not review it. Or to send a freelancer who's totally ignorant about their work and who might just give a really uninformed review of it, and you know that, that's what the Times does, you know, generally. Not not this with the last radio whole show because Jason Zinneman gave it a very intelligent, perceptive review. But there, there's a, there's a chance that the Times will send out a third or fourth stringer who just doesn't know anything about the off-off tradition or avant-garde theater or this particular artist, and they'll turn in a really stupid review. It's like sending a, it's like sending the intern, intern to review a, a modern art opening. You know, and they'll be like, yeah, they just threw paint against the wall. Or, you know, it was weird. They had, like, video monitors, and I didn't get it, you know. So, uh, anyway, I'm not, I'm bitching about the times now, which everyone loves to do. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, it's just, well, all I'm saying is that, you know, whatever. I mean, we try to, you try to match up a critic with a piece of art, art that they're, 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 they're competent enough to review. My assumption is never that the critic is competent to begin with, you know. <laughs> I mean, not that they're... How does that sound? No, not that, they're, not that they're always incompetent, but that, that you know, whatever. That, you know, <laughs> the, 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 the critic needs to know their, you know, theater critics, they're funny. And so I think anybody thinks they can be a theater critic. Like anybody thinks they can be a film or TV critic. Well, anybody can be a TV critic, but uh, I, I don't know. So uh, it's, 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 a, it's a really, it's a funny profession. And it's a funny time in theater history to be a theater critic. Because, you know, five years from now, what do you think? Are we going to be around five years from now? Are they going to hunt us down like dogs? <laughs> I don't know. Like I said, I stay away from... Oh, God, it's, sometimes it's so hard to stay away from... I, I don't you even want to... review on your show, though, right? I don't do review on Oh, you don't show. do I, reviews. Oh, smart. I, I do interview, but it's also hard to stay away from overt... You know, a lot of my listeners don't understand that. I really try to stay away from overt endorsements as well as... Right. Because to me, an overt endorsement is almost the exact same, because then you still get people that are like, well, I didn't say that about my show. Right. Well, even choosing a person is kind of an endorsement, when you say. Uh, you know, the truth is, uh, you know, the listeners, I kind of take what I can get. Uh, uh-huh. I mean, I mean, I mean, I don't have much problem getting things, but I interview a lot of smaller shows. Oh, that's good. And because the sh- podcasts aren't listened to right away, I have to interview them well before the show's up. 
So I'm kind of just taking a stab in the dark, you know, ho hoping that the, sh the interview will be interesting. Yeah, just the, yeah, I hear you. Yeah. Well, good luck, <laughs> and uh, I hope you don't get me sued or something like that. <laughs> right. Thanks, David Cody. Thank you. I'm here talking with Matt Chilnick and David Schicker. Did I get that right? No. Close. Other way around. Okay. So Matt Schicker, <laughs> I'm the producer. And David Zelnick, I'm the book writer and lyricist. And you just won Best mu a Production of a Musical for Yank. Woohoo! Woohoo! Right. Woo Which, in fact, uh, we had on the show. Nancy Anderson sang a number yes, on Yes, that's her. right. Exactly. We used your YouTube uh, clip on many a website <laughs> and email. Oh, oh no, I'm going to sue. You can't share that stuff. You're the one who put it on YouTube, buddy. The equity, nobody gave you any flack about that? Not till now. That's right. It's all come crashing down on us. They don't pay much attention to our program unless people send out press releases about it. So how does it feel to win tonight? It feels amazing. It was. It's incredibly unexpected. We... Uh, it Awards seemed like a celebration of, of amazing hip new theater, and I wasn't sure we were the amazing hip new show that they would pick. And because uh, we're we're very very sentimental, we, we have a lot of heart and emotion in our show, and it's amazing to have a story like that embraced by it. And it's exciting for the future life of the show to be able to say that it won the best musical off off Broadway, and it's great for the gallery players. Now, Gallery Players does a lot of musical productions, correct? Um, yes, they've been doing uh, two, no, three musicals a year, and now, based on the success of Yank, one of those slots will always be a new musical, a full production of a new musical. So, yeah, what, what's your new musical on tap for next season? So, uh, actually, just next month, uh, they have the musical Like You Like It, which was in the New York Musical Theater Festival, and now it'll be given a full production. So this is, and also Yank started in the New York Musical Theater Festival it as well. Did. And uh, what's amazing is that Matt Schicker here reviewed it for NewYorkTheater.com, and then for two years Yank sat in a drawer until Matt called us and said, "I loved it so much when I reviewed it, I'm going to produce it at my theater." And that's how Yank came to live again. The irony is, it's a bad review, right? <laughs> <laughs> right. You wanted to keep everybody away from it, right? That's that's right. It was my plot the whole time. <laughs> There's a lot of joy here. A lot of yes. joy in the celebration. So what, what do you have up next as a writer? Uh, well, we are working on bringing Yank back to New York, so that is a, a, a key thing right now. And um, let's see, I'm working on a lot of new projects and uh, don't know exactly which one will be the next to land in New York. And uh, what's up, besides uh, musicals, what's up next for gallery players? Um, they also have uh, Tuna Christmas going on around the holidays, and uh, and then just more plays and musicals going through the spring. They uh, do seven productions a year, so it's uh, ambitious off off Broadway Theater Company. Now, I, I imagine it must be sweet to win tonight too, because I'm wondering how much. Um, what's the right word? How much you know? Looking down the center of their nose, do you get that you're not producing in Manhattan, that you're in Brooklyn? Um, that definitely used to be the case, but I think that's that mood has kind of changed. And also, for instance, the IT Awards is uh, the IT Awards. Yeah, sorry. I, want, I keep saying sorry. IT the IT Awards um, is an example because in their first years they did not include Brooklyn. And I kept emailing Shay and saying, how can you not include the gallery players in the IT Awards? Because I know these shows that you're nominating and our shows are just as good, if not better. We should be included in this. And the very first year that Brooklyn was included, uh, our production of You're in Town won Best Musical. So, and here we are again with another Best Musical. All right, well, congratulations Thank to the you. two of you and best of luck in your future endeavors. Thank you. Thank you. 
Well, I'm incredibly pleased to be talking to director Michael Barres, who, among other things, has directed the recent Long Ingestation fabulous show, title of show. How are you doing, Michael? I am great. Thank you so much for having me. So what brings you down to the IT Awards tonight? Well, you know, it's funny because um, when they called and asked me to be a part of the award ceremony, I, I knew I was going to be presenting uh, Outstanding Musical. And my show, which started off Off-Broadway, title of show, way down at the Manhattan Theater Source with three big performances, and then grew through Ars Nova and a lot of different incarnations, and it is now currently playing on Broadway. It's such a crazy story, but I said to the audience tonight from the podium that the thing, the thing that's so moving to me about it is that we have been able to keep the integrity and the clarity and the beauty and the simpleness and the elbow room of what is off off Broadway and bring it all the way to Broadway. And it, it has really kept us on the straight and narrow. This community and their spirit is so joyous and they're really in it for the creation. And you know, look, off off Broadway, off Broadway, Broadway, they all have great shows and they all have crap <laughs> let's be honest but the thing I really love about this is like I, I, I was standing backstage and I looked up at the monitor and I saw a hundred people throw frisbees at the stage at one point and I was like that just would not happen at the Tony Awards and it, uh, it's just fun and free and joyous so the icing on the cake was my friend won the category that I announced outstanding musical the uh, the gallery players production of Yank, um, written by David and Joe Zelnick. And, and um, when I saw that they were a nominee, I got excited. And when I opened the envelope and saw it was them, he, David actually said it was, it was really fun for him to have a friend that he admires be able to be the one who was giving him the award. But I'm, I'm so proud of them. It's a great musical. And, and I wish them the same sort of uncompromised journey towards you know, expression and success that we had with Title of Show. Now, you were on board with Title of Show from the very beginning, from weren't you? From the very beginning. Even if it, at its nymph incarnation? Yep, absolutely. So what got you involved that early on? Well, I had known Jeff Bowen, Hunter Bell, and Susan Blackwell. I did not know Heidi Blickenstaff, but at the time, Heidi was not involved with the production. The original character of Heidi was actually called Stacia, and it was Ooh. played by Stacia Fernandez. Ooh, dirt. Juicy dirt. <laughs> um, and Stacia, who was an old friend of Jeffrey's, they had, did, they had done a production of Anything Goes at the Fort Atkinson Dinner Theater. No, at the Fireside Dinner Theater at Fort Atkinson, Wisconsin. So this came from Dinner Theater to Broadway. That's basically. right. They had worked together long, long ago, and Stacia was the fourth person in the show. And during the course of development, she got two jobs, and she decided to go do those productions. So she wasn't able to do the Nymph production of of uh, title of show. But have she, you talked with her since? Oh, of course, many times. Is she kicking so, herself? Well, of course, a little bit, but how can anyone know? And at yeah. the same time, she's so proud because these are her friends and she's really so delighted that they have have had this experience and this success. But Stacia did those three performances at the Manhattan Theater Source. The very first three performances of title of show had a fourth person that was not Heidi Blickenstaff. And then when Heidi came on board, Heidi actually played the character of Stacia at the Nymph production. Everyone else played, of course, themselves, their own names, but she played the character of Stacia. And it wasn't until we got to the off-Broadway production that we actually had rewritten the character completely so that it reflected her journey. And that was that she met Jeff Bowen doing a production of Tommy in Brazil, which is a part of the show. So um, I came on board very early on because I knew those guys and they wanted someone to sort of bounce the information off of because they had this crazy idea. And I think probably before either of them, I realized the potential for this show to expand into something that was not only 
uh, quality theater, but that it could be a really, really important piece of theater with regards to the way that it reached a new audience. And I saw the integrity of what it was that they were creating, and they were sort of like, really? We're just having fun. And then very quickly they realized the same. And, uh, and I, the first decision I made as a director, choreographer of the show, I said, I don't want you to ever reference the director in the content because the show is about its own creation. I did not want the audience to be focused on someone that they couldn't see and that they couldn't fall in love with. I wanted the show to feel like it was completely self-generated by these four people. And of course, Larry Presgrove on the keyboard. And, um, and I'm really proud of that decision because although I'm very proud of my work on the show and people certainly recognize it, I think it's a much better show for not discussing my, my contribution. <laughs> <laughs> now, I was, I was a little bit heartbroken to see that they posted the closing notice for Tyler's show, but I, I don't know if you're at liberty to talk about it, but sure. I understand there's some things underway that you're trying to still maybe get this going. Well, the funny thing is, I, when the notice went up, by the time I got home that night, I already had like 10 Facebook messages and 10 voice messages on my phone from actor friends saying, what can we do to help? because they're so invested in in the in the storytelling and you know especially theater people it's just such a beacon for them that reminds them why they wanted to be in the business in the first place they really feel personally attached to it and they wanted to help and i thought well you know that's really nice but i'm not I, at the time i thought i'm not really exactly sure what can happen and then we discussed it and we've started a little bit of um well actually one of our fans started us a, a website that was uh, and it was a petition to get title of show on the Ellen show because there's a reference to Ellen in one of the songs in the show and as far as as far as dreams that are presented in the show go pretty much all of them have come true except for being on Ellen so they started this petition and then within a couple of hours they had 500 signatures and I realized that we have this huge internet fan base and all their affection being aimed at us is lovely, but it doesn't really help us. So we wrote them on the blog and said, if you really want to have a difference in the future of Title of Show, these are people you can contact and tell them that you'd love to see our show on their TV shows or you'd like to see it move to another theater or whatever. And they did. And they're making video testimonials and our box office has taken a little bit of a jump in the last couple of days. And, and you know, if the show closes on the 12th, it's the greatest joy I've ever had in my career and if it had closed on opening night it would have been the greatest joy in my career it's not about it's not about that for us it's not about money it's not about ego it's really about wanting to be able to share this with as many people as we can before it's over and however long that lasts if we can make it last a little bit longer great and I wrote a letter to all my actor friends on Broadway that's being posted tomorrow at their theaters by their company managers as an invitation for them to come see the show and an explanation and it's basically a letter of gratitude because this is the industry that has been my support system for 17 years on Broadway and this show is a little way to give back to people because it's so inspiring for them to say you can you can actually be in charge of what comes next for you in your life and your career and this coming to see this show I think is is a step towards helping you achieve that and it helps us out at the same time so We'll see, we'll see what kind of reaction we get from that, but it feels good for us to sort of have the show be our responsibility again, because that's the way it was for years during development. We did everything. We built the website, we, we did everything for the show. And although, you know, we have one of the most courageous producers ever on Broadway for choosing to bring a show like Title of Show to Broadway, 
I think part of the magic of what we are is that it's us. And we sort of realized it was time for us to, to put our faces out into the world and for us to make a personal appeal to see if it makes a difference. And, and uh, you know, time will tell. It's, it's going to be a few more days before we really see the effects. But Rosie called me last night and told me that she's going to come see the show this week. So, you know, people are paying attention. And uh, it makes us proud. All right. Well, thanks so much for talking with me, Michael Barres. I'm a great fan of the show, and it's been a pleasure to meet you and wish you the best with the show and your rest of your career here. Thank you so much. I really appreciate that. I am talking with Matt O'Patterney. Patterney? Mm -hmm. O'Patterney, yeah. Who uh, is, uh, I just heard the word representing best played. <laughs> yeah, I was, yeah. I'm, I wrote it and I'm one of the producers, one of the, I'm the managing director okay, so, of Busted Unrest. Yeah, so th that's a little more than representing. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> what was the name of the show? It's called Burn Crave Hold. So, uh, are you excited to win? Yeah, Best it's amazing. Play here? It's amazing. Yeah, it's great. We had a lot of nominations, and we hadn't won anything all night. So I thought, when it came to to this one, I thought, well, I, my partner had to go to the bathroom, and I I told her right before I said, go ahead, we're not going to win, and then and then bang, we won. It's really great. It's exciting, and to get it to be handed something by Edward Albee is is amazing. Yeah, I, I, I got a chance to interview him backstage, oh, and man. I was a little bit. Uh, I mean, it's it's one thing interviewing like you know. <laughs> well, no, I, I've interviewed a fair amount of celebrities. You know, theater mm -hmm. celebrities too, but it's something yeah. to interview and, or be oh, handed man. something by a oh, guy man. who's been a legend, a legend for decades. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, to share the stage with him is a dream come true, and then to have him hand us this award <laughs> is really—it's outrageous. Yeah. Yeah. I, overall, I was really impressed. I wasn't—I didn't know what to expect. I didn't really mm -hmm. get the press release, or, or so to speak, of when I was asked to do this, I, did, I right. was kind of expecting it to be a lot of co-off-off-Broadway people right. presenting, and the right. fact that they got some really well, the serious is, names down know, here to help shine a light. Well, the, the, these names all started off-off-Broadway, you know. These people, these are people who started in basements and back, you know, tiny theaters, and now they're on Broadway, you know. So we, we when we talk about the development that's happening in the city where we're losing all these small spaces and and no one seems to care. I mean, how many spaces have we lost in Hell's Kitchen that are 50, 75 seats and and we're cutting ourselves off at the knees, you know. We don't get things, we don't get Edward Albee without a 50-seat house in Hell's Kitchen or in the Lower East Side, you know. What we're doing here and what the Innovative Theater Awards is celebrating is it's the lifeblood of American theater. Well, I don't know, I shouldn't say American. It's the lifeblood of New York theater, and, and it's great that these guys are, are recognizing it. Well, tell me a little bit about the play that you just won for. Yeah, it's, it's called Burn Crave Hold. It's a, a play about James Wilde, who was a war correspondent for Time magazine for 30 years. He covered everything from Vietnam to the first Gulf War, and he was all over the planet in between. I met James, decided he would be an amazing subject for a play, proposed it, he said okay, and then my, my partner and I interviewed him. He's also a poet now, and and um, we took the interview material, some, all the stories he told us and his poetry, and put it together and, and made a show about it. So the show's largely about his relationship with his wife through all the work that he was doing. So the love that they had in the midst of all the war and violence that he was covering. And he's sort of a man who saw the extremes of humanity and... and uh, and we tried to put it on stage. <laughs> and uh, evidently fairly successfully. I guess so, yeah. We had a really great time with it. And it was it was tough material to, to tackle and to figure out our way in. But, uh, but ultimately, I'm really proud of what we did. 
Antonio, did you get a picture of us here? I did. You did, so I got to ask, what's what's the rocking with the green jacket? <laughs> well, you know, the, the the wardrobe was funky cool, and I had every intention to go shopping for something else. But we're in rehearsal for a play right now that opens in a couple weeks, so shopping didn't happen. And this this happened to belong to my my grandfather-in-law. This is his old coat. So oh, it really actually doesn't look that old. It is. It is yeah, I yeah, think it fits it's, funky it, cool. It's, it's, yeah, thanks. It's it's definitely the brightest thing I think I've seen here tonight. Thank you. <laughs> But yeah, that, uh, just to plug that show, we're, we're opening in three weeks and we're doing a collaboration with a theater company from Kosovo. So we're hosting them. They arrive tomorrow and um, we're in rehearsal about an Albanian legend. We're making a new play based on an Albanian legend with this theater company from Kosovo. So it's a collaboration that's never been done before and uh, we open on the 11th of October. And where can people go to find out more about that? Uh, it's at blessedunrest.org and the name of the show is Dorantine and you can also find it at dorantine.com D-O-R-U-N-T-I-N-E.com. All right. Well, congratulations on Cap in the Night and uh, on getting a chance to get handed your award by Edward Albee. Yeah, that's great. It's great. Thanks very much. Well, that wraps up Volume 219. We will be returning to our regular schedule starting next month, which is the second and fourth Thursday of the month. So uh, we've already got a great, fantastic, in-depth interview with Michael John Lacusa in the bag. You're going to hear a lot of great stuff from him and some music from the newly released cast recording for Little Fish. Uh, we've got a lot of other surprises in store for you. Uh, it's been a fun season. Uh, see you in two weeks. theater and business arts major. I know what most theater programs are like, and I've talked to thousands of artists. All of this told me that a new style of theater major was needed. Theater majors can get a pretty good arts education just about anywhere, but most programs do very little to prepare actors, directors, playwrights, technicians, producers, etc. to manage their careers. When you go into the arts, you are your own business, and you need to manage that to strategically plan for your career to grow. If you've listened to many of these interviews, you know you need to be self-starters to create your own opportunities. I'm going to make sure you are ready for that world. You'll get a ton of opportunities as an undergraduate. Actors will act, even as freshmen. Designers will design shows right away. Playwrights will see their shows mounted. Directors will direct. Producers will handle shows from inception to execution. Outstanding guest artists will conduct workshops, and outstanding students will even work on this podcast and travel to New York with me for interview weeks. And, if that isn't enough, we've got an amazing program that will pay all or part of your student loan payments. 
even private loans, if you are earning less than $40,000 six months after graduation. That is an invaluable option that lets you pursue your passion in theater with less financial pressure. If interested, and I hope you are, go to broadwaybullet.com. I'd love to help you launch your career.